Wrestling Geeks brother just hanging out here in austria with our truth how, how have you been <laughs> i'm in austria god that was i i don't care how stupid it is it's i just that's funny as hell to me um you know did, did you think it was in austria and you, and you get a hold of anyone was everyone talking <laughs> like this and then like you know like like gunther and uh, some other guy former governor of a uh, state you cannot you know proud Man, that would have been so amazing if they had Arnold, like, like, oh, no, we're in the wrong place. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Archery's running well, behind him. <laughs> apparently, it's leaked that they're trying to get, I think, either a part of a segment to open up WrestleMania or to host uh, his uh, best buddy, Mumble. Um, I'm just kidding. I love Sylvester Stallone. Hey, yeah, you know, it's WrestleMania. It's going to be a good show. He he came out like last week with uh, talking about the Expendables, saying that Stone Cold Steve Austin gave him like 17 body slams, and he just kept doing it over and over and over again. And like the last one, he had to get like seven back surgeries or something on. He just took the bump wrong or whatever. But he was like kind Damn. of blaming. He was like kind of blaming Austin. He was like, I've never been the same. <laughs> like Stone Cold body slammed him through. <laughs> you got to right. say something about pro wrestling. What? <laughs> Terry Funk should have done this a long time ago, you son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, I'm friends with Terry. We did a movie together. Well, he should have dropped you on that stack of dimes you call a neck. That's your meaning, Anyways, yes. Uh, but I don't remember where we were going with this. Um, we're we're getting into the segment where we talk about things, uh, show wise and movie wise. What have you been watching, brother? What have you been talking? What what have you been talking about? What have you been watching, Chris, as of lately? I don't have a lot, but we can definitely talk about some of it. So I watched uh, Expats uh, as a show recently. It's uh, it's based on a book. It has uh, God, what is her name? Um, Nicole Kidman, who I think is just terrible. Like everything she's in, actress wise, 
she's like the least important character. She's she's supposed to be one of the more important characters, but she always acts like she's the least important character in the film. Um, decent show, terrible finale. I'm not going to say too much more than that because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. It literally I, the 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 last episode just aired this week, so I don't want to blow up anyone's spot if they were really into it. But uh, I was very disappointed in how they wrapped up that show. Um, but it was it was a fun watch. You know, I'd watch it again. I think it's like six episodes. They did that thing where they have like episodes that are like an hour and 30 minutes or whatever, uh, which I kind of dig as far as like getting in and out of a show. I also watched the new season of True Detectives. I liked that season a lot. I thought it was really, really good. Um, not as great as the first season, uh, but really good show overall. And uh, lots of cool cool places that they could go with it going forward because it was more of a choose your own adventure of what happened as far as like where the series went like each episode which i thought was kind of neat and uh let's see what else did i watch oh iron claw hated it (laughs) watched it hated it uh i thought it was shot very well it had the a24 style all over it as far as that goes i think the soundtrack was really good um it felt it, it did exactly what I was worried about. We talked about it before it came out, which is that one, it's a story I've heard a lot. So you're going to have to give me a really cool retelling of it. And they didn't do that. Also, it seemed very that like very much the Kevin Von Eric version of that story, as opposed to what really happened. So it was not, not my bag, not, a, not a terrible film or anything, but like if I'm comparing it to other biopics, uh, yeah. Not not that good. Fair enough. I thought it was uh you know, fairly slow as well, but I still think it was a pretty good film. Um still like the uh fellow directing, uh the cast. It's funny because they ended up cutting, I think. Well, they they pre planned it to involve their the other brother. But they just realized that it would have been even longer to be able to get that in there. Uh, which is crazy that they took it out and still that pressing up the story. But yeah, um, I see why you don't like it. Um, but for some reason, I guess maybe the theatrical experience itself and the fact that my brother also really enjoyed it. Um, and he doesn't know the story like we do, obviously. He's coming in from it not so much with more of a movie fan than a wrestling fan, obviously. So it, it, yeah. it worked for us. Yeah, I try. I tried to do that as well when I started watching it. Like, take away the Von Erich stuff, but the fact that like Kevin Von Erich was like more ripped than Carrie in the movie, it's kind of a. It's like okay, <laughs> like the casting and everything that like looked great. I know a lot of people had problems with, uh, especially when they went into some of other wrestlers of that time period as far as like casting and what their promos were like. Or like that didn't bother me as bad as it just being. Like kind of mid. That's that's what I would say. I think the thing that bothered me the most about it is that it was just average, uh, and I kind of expected more, you know. And like, and and that's a bad way to look at any movie, I guess. But it's just like there's a cool story there that lies kind of in between what that movie should be. If if that movie was told from the fabulous Freebirds side instead of the Von Erich side, maybe it would have been more interesting, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if you could really do something like that, except for through Kevin's eyes, because unfortunately he's the only one still left 
Um, but I mean, yeah, sure. You probably would have gotten a lot more interesting stuff that we didn't see or probably shouldn't see if it was like the Michael PSA's version and him narrating it and saying dick, 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 every so often or something. <laughs> or just the Terry Gordy story, you know, <laughs> so you could do that. Unfortunately, I mean, we're going to be getting a, um, even though I always claim that I hate the series and end up watching, or I don't hate the series, I hate the creators of Dark Side of the Race. Um, I'm, I'm going to still end up watching all the episodes, so I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. But one of the ones on there is definitely Terry Gordy and his sad story of getting brain damage and just not being the same for years. Um, and then dying, I believe, of a heart attack. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I'm kind of with you as far as like the creators of Dark Side of the Ring goes. And part of it is like they show up on interviews. <laughs> <laughs> it's like before that I, I liked them. I was like, oh, it's cool. They're doing wrestling stuff <laughs> until they started showing up on podcasts. And I'm like, and these guys are kind of assholes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, I'm also kind of an asshole, so I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this new dark side of the ring though. Uh, specifically someone who came up in the news recently, <laughs> the barber himself. Prudus Beefcake. I want to see. Uh, I want to see what that guy's got going on. He's got a crazy ass life too, because I think he was working. Where was he working? I think in Georgia. No, no, it was Massachusetts. I'm thinking of my my two uh, home states, if you will. But he had something. He was working construction. He get put in the head. I don't know. There was like some big. It's gonna be a crazy one, but yeah, he's going with the uh, the story. So. Uh, Good old uh, Ed Leslie. Uh, yeah, I, that's the thing that I want to see the most out of that documentary is like how much are they going to talk about Hogan? <laughs> like honestly, because he was like Hogan's best friend or whatever. I'm curious uh, to see how far he dives into fuck Hogan because they're not friends anymore. I'm curious to see what that's going to look like. I want to see whatever the reenactment of his para, parasail accident looks like. Like, how do you film that? Um, and then also, like, if he redacts anything that he said, uh, HBK came out and was like, this guy is a liar. <laughs> Essentially, that's basically what he said. Uh, so Mr. Because, Nick yeah, he's hanging out. He's hanging out with uh, Marty Jannetty too much, apparently, according to HBK. <laughs> this man's just yeah. making up stories that never happened. Oh Lord, that's a that's a whole entire concept in itself. But I don't know. Nick Hausman's trying to get those uh, scoops. He's going to alienate them from every goddamn interview he's going to do in the future. But is it, does it alienate it. him more than uh, Meltzer recently, though? Like, get get these uh, early uh, scoops. I'm so glad yeah. that we, we don't do that. Like where we have to like report on everything that that could or is happening within five minutes of it happening because Jesus, people are getting is, really is, shit on. Is it just me or is, is, I mean, are they setting up Dave at this point? Like all the companies, like, I don't understand. This definitely been the longest go around at least of him finding bad false information um, and kind of getting called out about it afterwards i think that i've ever seen you know he's usually someone that we consider the reliable sources um up there so even yeah. aw 
with uh, fucking Adam Page and the uh, ankle thing, which I thought was real. Yeah, it's so weird. Like because he has Alvarez there, you would think he would at least call Alvarez or whatever. It's like, what are your sources saying? Uh, is this a thing? <laughs> you know, because like he kind of got shit on by his own family because Alvarez came out like the next day. Is like, no, that's not why Hangman's gonna be out at the pay per view. He's got some personal things going on or whatever. His angle's fine. It's such a, it's just such a weird thing. And uh, my suggestion to Dave. And I respect this man a lot because I I grew up reading The Observer, and uh, I'm not going to bury him because he likes AEW more than most people do, um, almost to a weird level. Stop. Just stop watching so much shit, dude. (laughs) Like, pick two things to report on and be like, I'm sorry, I can't cover all of it. Because what I think he's doing, and me and you kind of talked about it offline, is like I think he's what he's doing is he's getting reports like house show reports from other people and then trying to watch the specific things they're talking about. And, uh, you know, what one bad submission to him can lead to a whole outrage because he is that guy. You know, he is kind of that guy as far as like we really trust your reporting or whatever. Um, he's the one that gets sourced when you look at like 411 Mania or like any of those things. Like, well, in the Observer, they said this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's Meltzer. It kind of sucks to be that guy, you know. But at the same time, it's like you can't you can't be like talking about a promo that happened ten years ago, dude. Like, you got to fact check some some things you're putting in this wrestling newsletter. Yeah, it's just crazy. With both those situations, um, reliability, I would say, is an issue upon, I don't know. It's it just uh, the, the wrestling journalism game, uh, it, it's getting, I don't know. I, I don't know what's the best way of saying this. Markish, almost, in a way. Like, if you go to a lot of these press conferences, especially with AEW, there's a lot of softballs. There's a lot of we like to be here, and I get it, but there's less people that I appreciate. And I do appreciate Dave and Nick Housman in a lot of ways for having the balls to say stuff. But sometimes I feel the reporting of a lot of these guys is inauthentic, and it's more about grabbing scoops than actually giving a shit about the, uh, the wrestling. And also, at the same time, not trying to piss off uh, the industry leaders because they don't want to lose them for potential, you know, for any of this is in the future. Basically, what I'm saying that Nick might be jeopardizing. Yes, yeah, that is, I mean, it has to be kind of weird knowing that if you piss someone off in that roster, that you're no longer really going to be able to talk about them. Um, because, like, in theory, they're they're talking to like refs or production people to get these scoops. So, I mean, I'm sure it's, like, very tough uh, as far as a job goes. It it seems like it seems like Melter has been kind of on the wrong side of the gun for a while as far as that stuff goes, like, with, with a lot of his scoops and, uh, like, what he thinks is going to happen. It's, it, 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 I would say right now, in, like, in the current state of wrestling journalism, if you're a internet mark like I am, I'm an internet mark, whatever, as far as wrestling goes, uh, maybe he is not the best resource, and there's people that kind of have surpassed him. Um, maybe within his own website, and it, it's really funny that he's such an AEW guy, 
uh, and now he's kind of having to dial that back. So like the conversations with them and Alvarez are kind of fucking funny uh, right now. So if you just want to listen to him for content, I get it, but don't necessarily go out like thinking that he is the end all be all right now. Cause he, he kind of isn't, he used to be right now. I, I would not, you know, like if he throws something in a letter, I wouldn't necessarily think that that's it, the God's truth, so to speak. No, I mean, I don't want to like harp on this, but the last thing I'll just say about one of the things that just completely maybe shake my head, it wasn't so much. Um, and this is, this is something that's lost. I think it's just like the concept of going with the headline instead of actually reading the article and the headline might throw you off from what it says, and you actually read the article, and you're like, this is bullshit. The people that react off the headline without reading that, um, whenever Dave's opinions kind of get sewn into factual that, that he's stating, like, and he had a comment that he made on one of the recent shows, basically theorizing that a lot of the reasons why AEW doesn't get viewed is if you look within the area that even if they go to arenas that they have a lower uh, amount um, of people at the arenas, which is why they essentially don't go back sometimes, and was also saying that the viewership is less in lower income areas. So I don't know, and, and he was going on, and he had a lot of statistics, and he was, I think, basically just came off down to like, well, poor people don't watch AEW because they can't for some reason. And it's like, all right, so you could, like, kind of say, like, they know WWE more so, but, like, that's, uh, I don't know if that's Dave using statistics or him giving his opinion, and sometimes I think they get melded together a lot of times. I mean, either way, it's a terrible take, because it's not like AEW is going to, you know, Waycross, Georgia, to run a show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can't. It's not like they weren't just in Las Vegas, Nevada, and drew like two thousand three hundred people. Like I, I don't get where where he would be going with that. As far as like, well, their attendance is down. They're still running the big s- cities in the state that they're going to. It's like, like I said, it's not like they're like they're not going to Waycross, Georgia. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's it. That's a fucking really dumb take. Uh, especially, especially with this man living in like San Bernardino, California or whatever. Uh, but yeah, like I, I don't get where, where that comment was going. He, he has at least been openly admitting that AW has an attendance problem right now. And they do. They're running Gwinnett arena near us. They opened it up for 2,500 seats. I have been to multiple Gwinnett gladiator games, hockey games that have like, let's say over 10,000 people at them. So I, I, you know, I get it. That doesn't have anything to do with poor people though. Like, you know, make your tickets cheaper. If people like your product, they'll go to it. Has It ha- has absolutely zero to do with how much the tickets cost. Poor people find a way, man. A- as someone who grew up poor, I-, I had to save a lot of money, but we went to Monday Night Raw, you know, when I was a kid, like that's not, that's a stupid take makes you makes you fucking sound very ignorant honestly yeah and uh, that's that's the thing it's like i don't know 
sometimes I think that maybe he should put his foot in his mouth because he kept on trying to explain, and I don't know if Brian was – he didn't cut him off, which Brian I think is pretty good at uh, in certain regards. But, uh, yeah, especially like you're saying, you live in an extremely nice area in California. In the same breath, you are not only excluding AEW, but you're also giving – oh, well – they don't, they don't, they're having bad attendance, but it's not that big of a deal because, you know, it's in the lower income areas having problems doing What the fuck, man? But, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, that shouldn't even be – how would that go through your brain? Like, that means you're charging too much for your tickets. That's the honest answer. You know what I mean? Like, then just don't go there. You're booking like I'm not gonna give them a pass because like people can't afford to go to their shows. That means your t- fucking tickets are too expensive. You know, like I would go the opposite way of that. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck is he on about with that? This is that's that's a stupid take. Yeah, you can. Uh, I'll, I'll if you haven't heard that, I'll send you uh, a link uh, to it because I was just flabbergasted. Because me and you both like to just we we like to listen to multiple views and different people throughout the week, different people talking about stuff. And obviously I stopped at the observer. They're free stuff. Sorry. But the stuff they put on YouTube, but um, yeah, that's the, you know, I, I think, I think the biggest thing, Chris, I'll send it to you after I say this and then we'll, we'll move on to the next thing. But I think the biggest thing is that I, I hope a lot of this will clean up some of the practice, whether or not I, I, and I don't know whether or not, people are giving out false information from AEW and WWE to kind of throw off a lot of that shit. I kind of hope that they get better at their craft um, or they'll have non-involvement uh, with a lot of stuff. You know, those look unreliable, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think the, the world that we live in where everyone's one wants instantaneous news and click type articles, Dave is kind of falling into that thing and don't do that dude just give us do the old observer look back 10 years do that you know what i mean like and instead of trying to be the end all be all like just do what you did really great for a long time uh if that makes any sense like i i I, it's one of those things where it's like look if i get the news three days late but it's accurate i'd rather have that i'd rather have that version than like a clickbaity type article um, and the thing that Dave was so good at and has been good, he's still good at it to some extent uh, with things that he's putting out in the Observer as a longtime subscriber. Just, you know, do that. You don't you don't. And also don't you don't have to cover CMLL. I don't give a shit. Most people that read your newsletter don't give a shit about CMLL. That's one of his personal favorites. How dare you? And they're invading AEW right now. <laughs> <laughs> which which is fine. Okay, well then cover to cover CML. Like I'm gonna cover CMLL and I'm gonna cover AW. Just do those two things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, no, I, I I completely get it. But like I said, hopefully stuff starts getting tightened. Uh, if not, Brian Alvarez is gonna try to find out you know some Vince information for Dave and kick him out of the <laughs> I mean, honestly, like Alvarez is, and like you said, he cuts Dave off when they're doing the live, the, like the, their after shows or whatever, when Dave gets like too out of pocket. Um, but yeah, it is one of those things where it's like, man, dude, you, you were, you've lost some credibility here recently and you just keep talking, brother. <laughs> like, it's not, he, Dave needs like a couple weeks off, honestly. I don't think this man's ever not like, 
like taking a week and just not watched wrestling. I know that me and you've done that. Like sometimes you just need like I, I can't do this. I can't do this wrestling thing right now. I just need a week. I want to watch. I want to watch a nice, you know, season of SpongeBob or something. Touch grass, as as, uh, as CM Punk would so eloquently say on Twitter. Yeah. No, I feel you. And, and that's some people love this aspect of it. I'm just and and me and you kind of. We've always said, just find out what you find out. If if it's you're going to be able to know with information that's out there, whether it be something that's credible, less credible, not credible, and listen to who you want to listen to, but make your own fucking opinion, you know, and don't get so goddamn tribal about the people reporting it. Like that's even crazier to me than the than the actual wrestling organization itself. It's like. That's how the fandoms go. And wanting to know every little detail of what's going to happen instead of just wanting it to happen and seeing it in real time. That's a big difference between, I hate to say it, but like our generation and the younger half of our generation and the next generation after that. Yeah, and I'm not going to blame that completely on wrestling because it's like that with all sports, right? Like yeah. they, they, there, there is a specific type of fan that wants to know everything instantaneous and wants to have constant news about what might happen. Uh, the closest relation I could go with is like contracts in a and W and WWE recently. That is very much the way those things are going out. Like as far as free agents and we've talked about free agents on our show, uh, that style of media is very much like ESPN covering like NFL or MLB of where this person might go kind of, kind of thing. Um, what I would say about Dave is just, you know, maybe not focus on UFC because the people that like your shit didn't get there because of UFC, like lower expectations a little bit <laughs> and uh, just just do the thing that you did so well. You know, <laughs> don't give the bucks to seven stars like dial it back a little bit, brother. Yeah. I completely agree with you, but hey, let's uh, let's move on. We got a couple of uh, stuff outside of WWE and AEW that we should talk about. A couple items of title changes from people that used to work for WWE and were released. Crazy, but uh, we had Impact events, um, and uh, uh, no surrender. Sorry. Almost forgot the name of the pay-per-view. But No Surrender was on Friday. I watched some of the uh, the highlights, especially the ma- the match with uh, Moose and um, uh, Moose and um, damn, why am I almost thinking on his name? Alex Shelley. You love that guy. Uh, great match. But the the main thing was Mustafa Ali made his debut. He went against Chris Saban for the X Division Championship. This was, I believe, Saban's ninth time with the belt. And beat him. So now we have uh, Mustafa Ali with that championship. And over in New Japan, they had their pay-per-view. They had a uh, basically a double one. The New Beginning pay-per-view and then Okada's last pay-per-view. Which I haven't seen the match from that. But I want to see Okada's last match with New Japan. Uh, apparently got very emotional afterwards. But uh, we had Matt Riddle winning the TV championship from Hiroshi Tanahashi. Unfortunately, Tanahashi hurt himself in the match, which kept him out of the match that he was supposed to have uh, on Okada's uh, pay, uh, goodbye pay-per-view. 
Uh, and then we also had the former Dolph Ziggler, Nick Nemeth, beating David Finley and becoming the new IWGP Global Heavyweight Champion. So, uh, some cool stuff. You know, we're, we're talking about that free agency. It's, like we said, it's, it's been really interesting so far. It's been a lot of fun. And there's still people that are about to come out, you know, or come off their their uh, their agency right now with the companies. Uh, Drew McIntyre's a big one, but obviously I think Drew's staying with WWE because where they're placing him. But who knows? You know, there's a lot of that going on this year. And um, Josh Alexander is another example that apparently wanted to go somewhere else, but TNA um, right after Scott Moore was there, they decided to extended for a year which they had that option so just an update on some of the wrestlers of where they've went and we have some uh, new champions out there uh top ali with the x division belt now uh nick nemeth with the global heavyweight championship and matt riddle the bro being talahashi no i'm just kidding i shouldn't i shouldn't uh try to keep on doing that anyways but him winning the uh, tv title that fucking Twitter thing that he put, or Instagram video he puts, just like, bro, if there's smoke, it's me, and there's just like a burning building behind him. I was like, Jesus Christ, this man is so gonna get like arrested in Japan and never released. Like, uh, <laughs> I love Matt Riddle. That was a really good. He, him and Tanahashi had like a really good match. It's kind of what you would expect from the two of them, as far as like in ring goes but they had a they had a great match the uh i haven't seen any of the okada final matches because it was all like uh trio tag matches or whatever i did watch the like his his final singles match him and tanahashi a couple weeks ago which i thought was like brilliant they did everything you would want to see those two people do in a match because they've wrestled each other like 800 times at this point um good version very emotional you know, Okada gave his farewell goodbye promo in the middle of the ring. That's what I would consider Okada's last match in New Japan. I'm not super hung up on that unless he's going to WWE. Because, like, if he goes to AEW, he's he's still going to go to Wrestle Kingdom. Like, it's not it's not like he's, he's not going to be allowed to go back there. Uh, it, it's one of those things where, like, why is he doing all this stuff unless he is going to WWE, where he's not going to be able to do these New Japan shows? Because otherwise, he's just going to be back there anyway, so I'm not going to get super emotional about it. Um, let's see. Nick Nick Nemeth winning? Like, good for him, man. Like, that, that is a guy that could shine in New Japan. We've talked – we have been saying that he should go there for a long time. You and I, it's like, if you're going to remove a guy and put him on a different roster, we've had podcasts where you that and talk about it. Like, yeah, dude, like if you're going to put Dolph Ziggler can be their Kenny Omega if need be in New Japan. And it's cool that he is getting like some appreciation. I'm still not the biggest fan um, of Nick Nemeth and, and Dolph and the like the way he works in the ring and some some personality aspects about his character it's not it's not necessarily my gimmick but like he's uh he's really fucking good and uh him being in J- new japan as like the a gaijin star like that's you could do worse you could do way worse than than him i do want to see whatever some of the shows that he's showing up with um with the major wrestling figure podcast guys brian myers and uh 
and and Matt Cardona. I kind of want to see what that interaction looks like. But uh, yeah, as far as like making him their TV champion, uh, he's a bigger guy than David Finley, so that's it's fine. I have no problem with that. I just hope I hope Matt you know I hope Matt Riddle doesn't get arrested and put in prison. <laughs> he's going to be the Paul McCartney over there, getting subpoenaed from a different country. It wasn't me. It was Owen. <laughs> he blames it on Sami Zayn. It's our truth. No, I gave it to Randy. What do you? And he must have put it back in here. Oh wait, he's not here. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that will be interesting. But yeah, Matt Riddle with the TV Championship. Uh, Nick Nemeth with the uh, Global Championship over his New Japan. I like that Nick's going back and forth between TNA. He had a match with Steve Macklin that was pretty good. Um, and and New Japan. And he's also was in GCW. Uh, I think he's got something coming up with Cardona. If they've not only already had that match. Um, Cardona uh, almost beat EC3, but uh, lost for the NWA championship. A lot, of, a lot going on, a lot of interconnecting stuff. I definitely dig it. Um, I, I'm I'm curious. It's it's. What, I kind of want to talk about this. Uh, this this will bring us into AEW. We'll talk about uh, AEW, and then we'll go over the pay per view after that. But you know, with AEW going forward, and specifically finding out information about their relationship with CMLL, and how they seemingly, uh, from what we've heard, Tony made an agreement with CMLL to not place AAA or any non-CMLL uh, luchadors um, on the same programming as their wrestlers. So they only did it for, for, I believe, like maybe three shows. And I'm sure they're coming back, but it's not like they've had them on every week. But this actually caused, when Pentagon uh, you know, got off the uh, cruise with Chris Jericho, went to Dynamite, was supposed to have a match, was told not only that he didn't have a match, but that he you know, basically got a was hurried out of there. Like, I, I guess, because we haven't seen the Kingo, um, and now we have a direct relationship with Impact, or I should say TNA now, with AAA. Are we going to see less and less AAA wrestlers? And how the fuck are you going to get more? Like, I, I like Mystico. Uh, I think that he's a legend. He's definitely getting older, but... I didn't know any of the other guys, and I, they're more important than the dudes I think they underutilize already within, you know, Penta. I mean, it's it's kind of a it's it's one of the it, Chris. I think I might have lost you, unless you're just at a loss for words. Oh, sorry about that. I muted myself. Um, so it's one of those weird things where with CMLL and AAA, your average American fan's not going to know why that rivalry even exists or why they hate one another. Um, when I look at it just from like a booking standpoint, like I'd rather see Pentagon Mystico or any of those guys because you've not told me who these guys are or why I should care. Like, why am I watching some of the highest paid stars in AEW wrestle people I don't even fucking know? Like, if you look at it from, like, an average fan, like a casual fan standpoint, like, dude, like, your casual 13-year-old kid doesn't know who the fuck Mystico is. And and why are we spending so much time on it? 
you know, you, does that make sense? Like, uh, I, not that I have anything against Mystico, but it's just it's one of those where it's like, you know, if you even if you just started watching wrestling with AEW, like you would be more hyped to see a Pentagon than Mystico because you know who Pentagon is. He's been there since the beginning. He's an established character. Um, instead of bringing more people in, maybe focus on the people that you have there and try to get their shit over, brother. Like, because you've got a big roster without bringing in people from CMLL. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that aspect. I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, that definitely has something to do with it. If you already have a huge roster, and we can go over people that I think they underutilize, uh, we could go for a while, basically. Completely replaced with some of the guys they decided to push. Uh, and Penta's in there, man. Like, I like that he was an attacking, but his brother has been healing up from an injury for a while now, and that he's been only added to other tag team matches with him and other, you know, luchadors. I, he's someone, uh, Jay Lethal's someone, Scorpio Sky's someone. I mean, I guess they're doing better with Wardlow, but, you know, I just, there are some people that are in AEW, I don't get it. And that's the reason why, you know, going back to Okada, I don't think that he would have this much of a problem because he's very well known with that audience. But you get worried that Will Ospreay and Okada will come in and kind of get lost in the shuffle. Like, what the fuck have they done with Jay White? You know, and I didn't mean for this to turn into a vent session with AEW, but that's, I think, to me at least, one of the main reasons that's concerning is that you've got a lot of great talent. Why are we bringing CMLL or agreeing, Tony, to, you know, not have your own guys and people from AAA that you've been working with for a while on your platform if these guys are on there? When only one of them is known and more known, honestly, in the U.S. for being Sin Cara. And he's not Sin Cara right now. He's, he's Mystica. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they could have just brought in Hernandez. He he got fired from WWE. He wanted just a random. He wanted a, a Sin Cara guy. Uh, no, all joking aside, like like I said, I like Mystico, and uh, I, I don't have anything against the MLL. It's just that's AEW has a lot of people that are already doing lucha shit to begin with. I don't think they need to bring in luchadors. Um. And and then there is the problem, like you said, of like you have people there that you're not utilizing or that are being underutilized. So and another device that we haven't seen in a while. Sorry to cut you off. I'll, I'll send it right back to you. That definitely apparently was one of the guys they definitely not did not want on the same show was Roosh because he had a bad outing with uh, CMLL what was one of their big superstars left did his thing over here in the States and then went to AAA and has had bad blood with them. So, and I, I, I would rather see fucking Roosh on there than I'm sorry, any of those guys. Yeah. Like Roosh, Roosh is better than all of the people they're highlighting for this Blackpool combat club thing that they're doing. Like so, as far as them setting up against CMLL or whatever, like I would much rather see a Roosh match. Uh, I, I'm I'm sure that Roosh is like waiting for that contract to expire. <laughs> to 
<laughs> just waiting because he, he could have signed with WWE. He probably really regrets this decision because they have underutilized the absolute fuck out of Roosh. He's a great he's a great professional wrestler, and uh, his stock has not been helped by going to AEW. It's kind of like the Andrade thing, right? Like they, you gave him a couple good matches, but like you didn't really use him uh, as well as you could have. And uh, WWE's not done a great job of doing Andrade shit either. Uh, outside of the Rumble appearance, I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass because they're already kind of setting their storylines heading to Mania. Um, but yeah, like it, 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 Roosh specifically is like, what the fuck are you doing? This guy's this guy is a superstar on your show, and you should be treating him the so way the same way you, you treat like Takashita, which they fucked up on that too. So <sighs> it, it they literally are just out there. I wouldn't even call it fantasy booking at this point. They're playing like WWE 2K3. They download a bunch of wrestlers. Like, wouldn't it be cool if this guy wrestled this guy? And that's fine. Like, I like that. That's cool. But like, I also like watching a good show each week. You know, give me a storyline. Why should I care about this? If the storyline is like, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club, which in itself is dumb, that they're still calling themselves the Blackpool Combat Club. (laughs) It's just a bunch of dudes from America. Uh, with no William Regal, um, uh, well, I, I guess you know uh, Cesaro is from Switzerland or whatever. But why? I guess like why do they have this beef with CMLL? Like why? Like is it an invasion angle? Or you're trying to do the NWO thing because you're not doing a great job of that? This this like kind of it falls so flat for me because it it's like when uh, WWE bought WCW and you had that invasion angle. That's what it comes off as. And like if you were if you were a huge wrestling fan during that time period, like Tony Khan was, and you have endless money, why would you not try to make that good? You know what I mean? It's like, like make it really good, and like maybe use New Japan as opposed to CMLL. Yeah, I, seriously, there's there's a great idea having New Japan invade uh, AEW would be fucking awesome. And I think what they were trying to go for with the crowd situation itself was. I'm assuming when Benoit and Guerrero and Malenko and, and, and Saturn uh, were in the audience before they came into WWE, but yeah, it just came off a bit flat, and we're about to go over AEW Dynamite. There are some stuff I really did like about the show, and I, I think the biggest problem, and of all people, which I usually, especially when he just is in his I love everything because I watch some of the uh, the shows with Conrad. Um, I, I find his opinion kind of annoying. Um, but <laughs> recently, he was on Conan's show, and him and Disco at Conan and Disco were talking about Tony's way of booking. And I he brought up a concept that I found interesting, saying that Tony, like himself, were from a certain time, and a big thing that impacted him and Tony, obviously, besides watching ECW Live, and Tony went to a lot of the shows themselves for all three products. You had Nitro, and and obviously, uh, and Raw, and, and the Attitude Era itself, but a big thing was getting these tapes that had multiple matches with different people from sometimes different times, and these crazy matches that were fancy matches, if you will, 
that you finally got to find out on tape trade. And that was within the culture of that time period. And I mentioned basically he feels that a lot of his booking decisions kind of go more so on like a fantasy match type concept than really caring about intricate storylines as much. And yeah, to me that, that kind of does make sense. And I, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I like that Tony does that. I, I like that Tony's like, we're going to have these two in the ring. They've never done it. It's going to be awesome. But what's lacking from the show is like what, what you said, is like a lack of story of stuff to get us through. And not following up from stuff that happened, you know, the week previous and shit. So, yeah, um, it's, even it's in the, like, the, the last thing I'll, I'll say before I go, I go to you, even in The Observer, apparently, if it wasn't The Observer, maybe it was Sports Illustrated, it was one of them top or worst feud of the year or reveal or something like that was Adam Cole's group, the devil versus MJF. So I think it was the observer. I'm almost positive. I can look that up, but that's saying a lot. That, that is a, it was a very terrible reveal. There's a lot of ways they could have got around doing what they did, but whatever they did, what they did. And, uh, you know, Adam Cole's out here cutting promos. I mean, he got one leg, so he's not very, scary uh that's the temple but uh yeah the thing is is like people want to see fantasy matchups but they also want to see they specifically want to see the big stars so like brian danielson versus okada that's okay that's great do that we don't need like you know fucking suzuki versus like will or yuda that's it's not really the matchups people are thinking about when they when they're talking about dream matchups. That's more of like I want to do this on a video game because it'd be fun, you know. Like it's uh, you know if you can give people a dream like a dream matchup would be like Okada versus The Rock, right? Like if they could get that done and have that at Media or something like it's because it would be a weird cool thing to see. But Tony, when you when you bring these cats in with with zero zero story going into the match you're just like well you know you've seen them wrestle for a long time and they're both good so that's that's the match that's fine but they need to be the big star people like it needs to be a brian danielson versus don okada or tanahashi or whatever like i i really don't care about like you know if eddie kingston is going against like (laughs) like all of suzuki gun by himself uh, unless you tell me why I should care. That's the thing. Is like, tell me why I should care. They don't ever do that. They're like, you should care because like you like in ring action. And I was like, you're right, dude. I do like in ring action, but like also, in general, I like a story, just like a little bit. Like, give me something, <laughs> you know, like of why I should care about this match. You know, it's it's crazy that you say that because. I was thinking that last night and actually reflecting in a positive way from what I was watching on Collision because on Collision, they had the last match was Brian Danielson against Jun Akiyama, who's a big, you know, legend from New Japan. Now currently is in DDT, helped train uh, Takeshka, you know, very world-renowned wrestler. Not a lot of people are going to know who the hell he is. That's still my problem is that they don't have good packages to build up some of these legends from overseas. But I will say 
They had Eddie on commentary. June Akiyama, he said, is right next to Kawada, his two favorite wrestlers from Japan, and, you know, kind of mentored him when he was over in the States, and he went to go visit him over in Japan and went against them. Um, so there was that stake, and Brian Danielson is going for the Continental Championship um, at Revolution against Eddie. So there was that dynamic, and it really made it, I don't know, it, it, it made it better uh, with having this random dream match to actually have some story and progression going on. And, of course, all hell breaks loose. Brian Danielson, who seemingly has said that he really respects Jun Akiyama, goes to hurt him. Eddie gets involved. Uh, you know, Black, Black Combat Club comes to help out Brian Danielson, followed by FDR. That sets up a three-on-three match on Dynamite and then the individual matches that are coming up on the pay-per-view. That, to me, is it was, and maybe it's because Brian's involved, maybe he's actually the one booking this, was very well booked and had a lot of story and had a reason even for this Japanese legend to be going against Brian Danielson in the main event. So I, I, that's what I want to see, basically, is what they haven't been doing to try to correct that. But also, don't think that everyone's going to know who the fuck North Suzuki, even Okada is like, try to get people, like, to get to know him outside of the fans that you seem to only give a shit about that are your smaller, diehard fans. It's, it's, it's crazy. They did do a good job on that booking, by the way. You're, as far as, like, explaining, that's one of the things that they did well, but they have so many cats that just come in and they give no explanation. Like, Edge, like, even someone like Edge... He's huge. They just assume that everyone knows who Edge is. But like, if you're like a 12 year old kid or whatever, and not a big wrestling fan, you tune into the show. You need to tell me why I should care about Edge. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just be like, he's a legend. That's why you should care about him. Well, tell me why he's a legend, right? Like, what what has he done? What has he accomplished? You can't just be like, well, he he's held championships. Like, he, okay. <laughs> Like the world where we're at now, like everyone knows wrestling is a fucking gimmick. It's a work, brother. Uh, you got to tell me why I should care about him, what he did, who he worked with, etc. Like, and I know you can't use copyrighted terms from WWE, but there there are ways to get that it like that that over. Um, so that's more of the or problem. even a package, even a package kind of going without saying directly, but. I mean, you could still make a video package of Edge and Christian's relationship and how long they've known each other, how they started and got trained by the same person that Bad News Allen, Bad News Brown, whatever, helped them out. Like, they, they have a similar story. You don't even have to go and say directly WWE. I mean, they can, as long as they don't crash it following. They can acknowledge the fact they weren't there, but I don't know. It's... There, there seems to be, like like you said, whether it be a new guy coming in that's older or someone from Japan, a lack of thinking that the audience is as smart as they are, or as they might not be, you know? Yeah, they, I mean, they just assume that, like, anyone watching our show knows a lot about wrestling, so, like, here's Suzuki. <laughs> you know, like, instead of, instead of doing what they should do is, like, Yo, Minoru Suzuki... And Ken Shamrock, they threw hands. You know what I mean? Like, that would be the story to tell. Like, this guy's a legit badass. Like, tell us why he's a badass. 
then people would care more about him. Because, like, I know that they're aiming for a specific, they are aiming at their specific audience, and that's fine. But, like, if you want to grow your company, you have to aim to someone, like, you have to look at everything you do. I've never seen this guy before. Tell me why I should care about him. Like, I don't, that, I mean, that's how wrestling works. <laughs> like, that's the that's the idea of a baby face and a heel to begin with. It's like, why should I care about this person? WWE is on the opposite end of the spectrum where maybe they're dragging things out too long, you know, and giving you too much story. Uh, AEW is on the other end where they're just like, uh, uh, hey, here's this guy. If you're not an internet mark, you might not know who he is, but like, let's see him wrestle. And it's fine, and they're putting on high-quality matches. That's the thing, is the in-ring work in AEW is really good uh, when they're not murdering each other, and the the refing is not terrible. I think they could, you know, slow down. I would say slow down and, like, uh, make their refs look more competent. But outside of that, like, I mean, these people are out here working their asses off, putting on good matches and shit. Uh, so you can't hate on AEW for that, but at the same time, it's like... Is it a great match if I don't give a fuck about the story? And the answer to that is no. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I don't know if you heard my sneeze, but it sounded a lot like Sammy Guevara. Um, I don't know, that's random, but... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> the, the Sammy Guevara storyline should just be that he hates all the Hardys. He's, he's be stalking I'm around. I'm the Hardy killer. And yeah, then, he's and then, stalking around looking for Max Maxwell, <laughs> Matt's son. He's just stalking God, around the compound looking for that, that That's one hell of a claim to fame, I guess, that you've given brain damage to now both members of the Hardy brothers. But, yeah, whatever. Um, you can't give brain damage just when there's nothing there. <laughs> the Jeff Hardy one doesn't count. Hey, Jeff, Jeff still can do motocross in his backyard. He don't want to fuck that up. Bro, these uh, legends, like the Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy legend thing, when you see fucking RVD in the ring, it, you're like, dude, they're not, like, they're not that. <laughs> they're not Rob Van Dude, I, and that's what sucks is that, honestly, and I mean, this is, Jeff could have if he would have gotten his, you know, Matt is from too much wrestling. Jeff from too much stupid shit and too many dumb bumps. Like, Jeff could be a very healthy wrestler, but the, the stuff that he does today, still he fucking does crazy shit. Ugh. I don't know. Suck. Well, I see you that promo of AJ Styles being uh, like, I don't want to be an idiot like Jeff Hardy. <laughs> man, that that promo, I, I've, never, I've never seen that, but there was obviously a lot of realism in that. Uh, Hey. Oh, man, like, look, I love Jeff. I've met him. He's a great dude. Like, I hope that he's still healthy. And, and well, he's not still healthy because people are kicking him in the fucking head. <laughs> like, the guy has a drug problem. Oh. Maybe don't drop your knee on his face. <laughs> like, if you have a painkiller addiction, maybe don't drop your knee across the guy's face. Maybe you don't need to do a 450 splash on Jeff Hardy. You could just do a roll up or something. Like, I don't know. That's, uh, it's Jeff, so you know he's going to want to do the most crazy shit he can. And he's actually been really good the last two matches. That Sammy Guevara match was great. You know, it sucks that he got hurt, but the, it was a great match. And the match before that with uh, Jeff was great. I think it was him versus Swerve, right? Uh, 
It's yeah, a really, great- really good ass match. Like he, he's been kind of on a run, and then this happens, and then my immediate thought is like, well, now Jeff is gonna fuck, fuck off for forever because he's hurt. Yeah, it sucks, man. And Matt definitely looks like we were. You were just talking about Rob Van Dam. Um, Rob's fucking. You can tell he's 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 always been into yoga and preached that. He's always been into taking care of his body and, and stuff like that. Very intelligent guy. Um, and you can tell that Matt is he's fucked up, dude. His knees hurt me when he walks around. Yeah, Matt, Matt has the the New Japan style of like I'm very old and very hurt, but when I get in the ring, I'm gonna look good. <laughs> like when he's walking anywhere, you're like, oh man, Matt, he's fucked. He gets in the ring, he's fine. Um, the thing they did, with, the the thing they fucked up with Matt Hardy and WWE did the same thing too. So because he was there first, is like the the stuff that makes Matt Hardy great is his promo stuff, like the like him. Being the most ridiculous, not even going to like broken Matt Hardy, like you get Matt Hardy 2.0, for instance, like that's the stuff that makes him good. He is a great he is Marty Jannetty. He's a great tag team wrestler. Right. And uh, when you take that away from him, he really needs like to be weird, like do weird promos and shit. That's how you're going to get him over because he's never going to be Jeff Hardy. You're not going to look at Matt Hardy and be like, man, he's better than Jeff. You know, <laughs> like you really need to. uh he has to be that weird to get get his shit over. They've never done that in AEW, and it's so surprising because it was, I mean, silver platter. They came out of like like he came out of WWE with kind of like the the Hardys lose uh, their titles or whatever, and then he got fired from working backstage. And they bring him in, and they use like the like a reincarnation. They made some jokes about that stuff. It's like man. How did both of you guys fuck this up? Like, both WWE and AEW took a good TNA gimmick and fucked it up. I'm like, sounds, it's, that's insane Dude, to me. Do you remember the pop that they got when they came uh, if, and were the last tag team and won at WrestleMania? That is one of the biggest pops I've ever heard uh, in professional wrestling history that I've watched. And... And I yeah, called it just, predictions for Mania with Chris. You, you guys can go and watch that episode if you want to find out if Chris is ribbing us or not right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not not rib, brother. It's a shoot. Um, <laughs> uh, do do do. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just like people don't know how to book Bad Hardy. They really don't. Like the thing. Look, call Rebby. Have her book the match. Like, Jesus Christ. Why has there been no interaction between a variation of Matt Hardy, especially broken, and a Dan Housen? You, know, you don't even have to do fucking that much wrestling. You can kind of like let them do weird stuff cinematically. Exactly, right. dude. Why would you why would you not do that? Like, why would you not explore that? Here's the thing. You don't have to do wrestling all the time. Like, tell a fun storyline, like Matt Hardy being crazy, like on the farm or whatever. Like, the, 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 they did it with the Briscoes. They did it with Matt Briscoe, and then they just stopped doing it. And you're like, that's fun. Like, that's fun when Jeff, you know, Jeff Jarrett's out at the Briscoe Ranch trying to recruit, uh, you know, you know, the, you know, one of the Briscoe brothers and 
Papa Briscoe is out here. And he's like, I, I wouldn't trust them boys. Like, do do stuff like that. That's fun. I, I want wrestling to be a show, dude. I don't because at some point, if you're doing what AEW does, which is like it's just good match after good match after good match, it's fine. Like if you look at it in a like a small sample size, you're like, man, that was fucking great. But if you watch it week to week, everyone is doing the same shit. It doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. I agree with you. But um, let's let's uh, start talking about dynamite and go over a couple matches. Um, the first match, I thought it was awesome, but I think along with Adam Page and what was it, Strickland a couple weeks ago, uh, the, the the time stoppage, and like I said, I thought that it was the BCC versus FDR, um, John Moxley and Claudio. We've had this rivalry. It went down to a draw because of the time. And the only time that you know this is going to happen, because it just did, is when they give us the 15-minute mark, I believe, or, or there's 10 minutes to go. There, there's something they say, and then from there, you know, okay, I guess this is going to end in a drop. It, and I understand you get a prolonged feud, but it's very obvious, very obvious. But this was an awesome match. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to them having a rematch at Revolution, and I'm looking forward to this three-on-three match with two members of FTR uh, teaming up with Eddie Kingston against Moxley, uh, Claudio, and Danielson. So, uh, good stuff. Who won? Oh, yeah, that's right. It was a draw! Chris, how do you feel about draws on Saturday? I don't like time limit draws on a TV show. Uh... They at least did the thing where they're going to call. I don't like time limit draws in general. Like if it's a 60 minute match, like Okada versus Omega went to a time limit draw, but they gave you so much and it got both guys over, right? There should, there should be an end to what you're trying to prove, but then they just go in with FTR getting fucked up, you know, like basically afterwards it's like, well, okay, the time limit draw didn't do anything. The point, the, the point of a time limit draw is these two guys cannot be each other. But the way AEW books it, like, we'll go back to the Swerve match with Hangman, for instance, right? Like, Swerve murdered this man <laughs> in that match. <laughs> like, he, he beat the hell out of him. He couldn't pin him. That should be the baby. That's like a Stone Cold babyface thing. Like, you should be like, oh, he just couldn't get the job done or whatever. But the problem is, is that Swerve is the babyface. They're, the booking makes no sense. Like as far as the in-ring work and shit goes, like it was a it was a a return to form for some of these guys, especially with Moxley and Cesaro uh, or uh, Claudio, I should say, uh, wrestling with these CMLL guys because they're just like waiting for fucking lucha spots. Um, so the match itself was great. Dax looks amazing. Um, I hope they don't break that tag team up. Yeah, you know, and I've heard comparisons, and I know who they pull from with tag teams, but I have to say specifically, and I mean, they were a tag team for a short while of time. Cash, his his explosiveness reminds me of Benoit, and it's hard not to see Arn Anderson in everything, all the little things that uh, that um, uh, the act does. 
Dash. Or, wow, I'm scrapping his name now. What the hell is his name? Dax. Dax Hardwood. Dax. Not Dax. 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 Uh, what the fuck was his name in NXT? Oh, we got it back to this. Cash and Wilder was another their names. But Dash and Cash. And, anyway, Dax. The act. Very Arn Anderson-like, obviously. Yeah. It's... It, I, they, they're, um, I don't know, maybe it would mean they have the rating system too that kind of kill, like kills the storyline a little bit of like why they would, oh man, I don't want to make this a rant about AW book. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to retire and just be like, the match was good. Let's go with that. Like they did good. There was good shit yeah. there for sure. Because like, if I just, if yeah, I continue lot- down the path I'm going. It's going to be just me bitching about, like, this could have been great. You could have done this way different. But uh, as far as time limit draws go, as far as time limit draws go, at least they're calling out the times now because they did not do that in the swerve hangman match. And they just gave you like a weird fuck finish. Yeah, that was really strange. Yeah, I just don't know how I feel about it in general, but. If you got to do what you got to do, they don't like to do no DQ finishes, and I kind of appreciate that because I hate those too. So I don't know where the happy medium is. I mean, time limit draw should be saved for like a big moment. Like you have like Will Ospreay versus Brian Danielson that goes to a time limit draw. You shouldn't be doing that on TV like two weeks from the last time you did it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I definitely agree with you. Um, so Orange Cassidy has been picking off uh, the other members um, to his match against Roderick Strong at Revolution. Uh, he already beat Matt Taven, and he had a match against Mike Bennett. Actually, a really good match. Uh, Orange Cassidy's friends are getting picked off one by one by this group. So in turn, he's beating them. But there was no one there after he beat um, Mike Bennett, uh, saved him, and Actually, there was. Randomly, we're going to have Jake Hager, who loves his hat, is now going to be Orange Cassidy's buddy. So I guess if, in this scenario, if, if uh, Orange Cassidy is Shawn Michaels, Jake Hager is his Diesel? Yeah, he is Diesel. <laughs> the, thing, the, the great thing about that is, like, I really... They didn't. They haven't explored it that much, but the breakup of the best friends, um, especially with Jake Hager now showing up, right? Like you, you could do something cool with Tremperetta, like where he's a hero. Yeah. Um, I think there's some fun stories to tell. Tell there, like or, this, this entire like Orange Cassidy doesn't really have a storyline. He just has like I wrestle everybody, you know. And it's the same thing with Eddie Kingston. It's like. They're doing the John Cena thing, but not as good as when John Cena was doing the open title thing. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, I don't know. Jake Hager got a huge fucking pop though. Like he was super over when he showed up and started suplexing motherfuckers. Maybe run with it for a while. They need a baby face. Jake Hager, you could do worse than Jake Hager. Like honestly, as far as like in ring and what he's able to do and like. You give him a mouthpiece if Orange Cassidy is like kind of his manager friend or whatever. Yeah, that, that that's perfect. You you figured it out. 
because they didn't figure it out when he was in like Jericho's group. No, he just had a hat. That was his thing. But uh, people like, you know, maybe maybe you bring in Dutch Mantel and have him hanging out with Orange Cassidy and Jake Hager. Oh my God, that would be great, and I think that Jim Cornette would have a stroke if he saw that. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty fucking amazing. You're gonna say we the people, and they're both like, no, man, not, not anymore. Like, are you? Do you mean we the people? Like a like a constitutional thing? You know how like sometimes Orange Cassidy talks and gets like very very GPT. Yeah. <laughs> or do you mean like we we the people? <laughs> that would be great. We'll do that. That'd be that'd be fun. Um, Orange Cassidy is, is fucking dude. He's still in his bag. He's been having such a run. He's so good. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing good work, and he's a constant uh, within the programming and very reliable, I would say. Um, definitely have been enjoying him, and I'm looking forward to him and Roger Strong. I mean, we can even kind of give our predictions for Revolution. Um, That'll be match of the that, night. Yeah, there's a good chance that could be one of the best matches, and I am uh, I will not be surprised though if. Orange Cassidy uh, loses that uh, championship to Roderick, but he's really reliable of, of <laughs> as weird as it is, keeping a championship and making it look, you know, uh, higher than it might be, you know, whether it be the TNT championship. By not ever showing the title belt at all, just keeping it back. Yeah, that's also, it's a part of his charm, you know? That's, um, yeah, I mean, you can't, like, right. he's he he's done good like as far as like delivering championship matches across any product it's orange cassidy like he is the guy that he i mean he is doing the uh rick flair run where he's wrestling every show with that title belt though and and putting on pretty good matches on top of it so like him and roddy should be a great fucking match yep i i agree um so we had basically Tony Storm and, and uh, Deanna Peraza both have matches uh, where they beat their person and just set up stuff for the, their match at the pay-per-view. Um, nothing really too big other than that. Besides the fact, I know that you really love this effect, Chris. Uh, the, the, what about when they're in the middle of the ring and they go half black and white and half color? Do you like that little uh, effect? No, dude, it's so dumb. Like, if you want to do the black and white thing and vignettes and the fucking, like, her coming down to the ring, that's part of the gimmick or whatever, it it looks so carny, so fake. Like, <laughs> I, I, it looks bad. Like, you know, like, you're you're making the effort to make it look that bad. It's the same thing as the red lights and shit, the Ursin car blue light thing for his matches or like, uh, you know, with, uh, the fiend, when they would do like do the red lights, it's like, this is, look, this is super dumb. I mean, get as part of her character and it's funny or whatever, but use it in vignettes, using her promos or whatever. Like, that's fine. Gold dust used to do that. He would have the gold shimmer. And this character does take a lot from gold dust in general, but, um, yeah, I don't need it. Like, <laughs> The juxtaposition of like it being black and white and then shooting to 4K HD, 
of like Diana's face or whatever. It's like so fucking weird and looks bad and stop doing it. Also, like they look like they're using a cell phone filter even on the black and white stuff. Like it just looks terrible. I don't care about your weird. I agree. Martin, I agree. Martin Scorsese would have a fucking heart attack if he was like <laughs> have uh, to deal with one of those segments. Uh, yeah. But one of the funnier things wasn't like Storm build to be from like what, what the hell did they say like stage seven at the Warner Brothers lot. <laughs> <laughs> the character, like I don't mind any of that stuff. Like the characters actually gotten over with me. I hated it at first, but. You know, as it as it has progressed, Tony Storm has really nailed down that character, and it's just wrestling. She's doing good shit in the ring for the most part. She hasn't killed anyone recently, so that's good. Um, <laughs> the character's fun. It's very Gold Dust. Like I said, it is very reminiscent to me of Gold Dust, and maybe lean more into that because, like Tony Tony Storm's promos are like, "I'm a pervert," <laughs> essentially. <laughs> What is it, what yeah, she's usually like sucking at the teeth. No. <laughs> uh, Anyways, um, yeah. So our last match on the show, we kind of talked about probably the biggest aspect, the throw off, but the way to get. So I guess I don't know something about like some type of marriage thing. I, I don't know if you know the information with Paige, but. Um, we, we saw that spot where it looked like he hurt his ankle, but RVD looked awesome in this match. Looked, looked very out of place, no offense to him. And Mojo would end up choking out uh, Rob Van Dam. I'm going over the action to get to the two promos that are connected. Joe is waiting forever for this blind tag, by the way. There is one sec, like towards the end of the match, Joe is just sitting there and he's like waiting for RVD to finish the spot so he can get the tag. They both look so out of place. But outside of that, RVD looked great. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, what, what did you think about this match and the spot with uh, Paige? Well, well, why is Paige not able to wrestle? Do you know? No, it's just, a, it's just a personal issue, apparently. Like, he's got some family shit going on or, or something in his personal life. And he, he sold an ankle injury to get him out of that match. So, I, I I mean, it just said personal problems. So, like, maybe he's dealing with depression. Like, I, I don't know. Kind of, like, there's not been anything that, like, he didn't, his dad didn't die or anything as far as I know. What I'm getting at is he probably, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily want to be in that match against Swerve and Joe either if I was a baby face. Yeah, it seems like it should just be the two of them. Um, but yeah, that I mean, was the show. What it, whatever Paige is going through, dude, like, send you warm, warm vibes. Hopefully, absolutely. Get over it. Like, I like I like Adam Page a lot. I think that he's uh been he's been used very poorly since the CM Punk stuff, which is unfortunate. And uh, they put him in a bad situation with Swerve because I think Swerve has kind of got the rock thing going right now where it's like he, he's supposed to be a shitty guy, but Prince Nana is just so good. <laughs> he's going to get this brother over no matter what. Uh, it's just a bad situation for 
for the hangman. Yeah, best wishes with you, uh, Hangman Adam Page. Uh, but looking forward to, I guess, what the match is going to be with Strickland and Samoa Joe. But I think this show, there was two spots involving one of the biggest storylines going to the last pay-per-view, and that's Sting's last match. As many of you know, that have been keeping up with the whole entire thing. Uh, Sting has had only tag team matches with Darby Allen, most of them tag. Uh, they were undefeated, and they went for the belt. They won the belt. They got beat up by the Young Bucks. I actually like this wrinkle they're adding to it, because to me, I was kind of getting annoyed that all of a sudden Ric Flair just wasn't there. He's just not a part of it. So I think that they've kind of, I don't know, screwed up certain aspects. But to me, when they beat them up and they had the white suits and they had blood over it and then they kind of wore those, you know, a couple more matches, that was to me doing some good stuff within the storyline. I'm still not 100% sold on it. But now we have Ric Flair. He gets to the arena, Chris. Uh, Renee wants to talk to him. He's, you know, cordial but kind of blows her off. Says that he feels like, you know, the fact that he wasn't invited the last couple times was Sting. He could have helped him out. And we see him go into the Young Bucks dressing room. Uh, they open it. I think even Matt was like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Rick was like, I need to talk to you guys. But he is the direct player in the game. I didn't see it in this aspect, but it kind of makes sense in a lot of ways. And later we had an amazing promo, probably one of the best promos, even revealing that his father just recently, a week before the show, passed away. So, you know, a lot of emotions, but arguably one of best, one of Sting's best promos he's ever had in his career. But those are the big things involving their storyline, which to me is the biggest storyline right now uh, in AEW. I mean, it's, it's by far the best promo Sting's had in the last five years. I'll say that it was fucking like it was great. Um, he was doing really good promos and impact and stuff, so I can't hate on him too hard. Uh, but yeah, this one was good. It was emotional filled. It it definitely like he watched the crow again for the first time. Thirtieth anniversary, by the way. Uh, if you're into Blu-rays, that that's out there. It just came out. I did a watch along with Tom Clark. Go check that out. Uh, the crow. Uh, he he definitely did that. He was more channeling that character and uh just some emotions uh like especially when he's talking about like i thought i was invincible you know and as a, as a young man i thought i was invincible like the dad sting emo emo daddy sting as andrade would say where's your emo dad uh it was great it, it means good promo the storyline for this match is actually better than i expected it to be uh, I don't like that Sting's match is last match is against the the Bucks. I don't like that Sting's last match is a tag match, honestly. And uh, it seems like maybe he's going to get fucked over and they're going to do Sting versus Flair as his actual last match. Um, and I have pause on that because I watched if if Jarrett couldn't get a good match out of Flair, I don't know how Sting is going to be able to do it. Is going to need a whole lot, a whole lot of help. They should call whoever did the Boneyard match or whatever, Taker. 
Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, honestly, but ugh, kind of scary. But anything's possible. So if they did a boneyard style concept, some type of cinematic thing, probably would be better for both of them. But Rick Flair keeps on putting those uh the pictures of him, you know, after training in the gym, so who knows? Yeah. I mean, what what is the setup at Sting's last match? There, if you do an interference thing, he's gone. If it's his, if it's at his actual last match, it seems like they are trying to set up a fucking flare match, you know, like which uh, huh. maybe Jeff Jarrett will dress up like Flair and do the match with Sting. It'd probably be better. Like I don't know, I don't know where you get where you go with that, but that. Uh, maybe I'm crazy, there. but that's kind of, it kind of seems like how they set it up. Because like, if you're just gonna do like, Sting's gonna go out losing, right? So, what? Why is Flair like Flair screwing him over? There's no other storyline to that. This, this is supposed to be the end of Sting's existence. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see to find out what happens with that. But really dug it. Let's, let's run down the card real quick for. Revolution. We'll probably be doing a show after this as well, unless it's a bit abysmal, which I don't know. I remember looking this up and being really impressed by the lineup, so we'll see. All right, so we got FTR, like I said, against the uh, Blackpool Combat Clubs, Moxley and Claudio. Orlow versus Powerhouse Hobbs versus Lance Archer. Uh, in the Meat Madness match. So, slapping that meat. I'm really, you know, this would be awesome if Alexander Hammerstone ends up debuting in AEW in this match. I would definitely freak the fuck out and be very excited. Uh, then we have Christian Cage against Daniel Garcia for the TNT Championship. Um, Will Ospreay against uh, uh, Takeshka in a match. Eddie Kingston against Brian Danielson for the uh, Continental Championship. Timeless Tony, Timeless Tony Storm versus Deanna Prazo for the Women's Championship. Samoa Joe versus Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland. Like we said, pretty sure Hangman's not in this. So most likely Samoa Joe and Swerve Strickland for the AEW World. Orange Cassidy versus Roderick Storm for the International Championship. And probably the main event for the tag championship, Sting and Darby Allen with the young or against the young Bucks, possibly with Ric Flair with them. That's going to be a fun one. Do you have any comments on any of these matches, Chris? Uh, you made a good point about like Alexander Hammerstone showing up. That would have been that. That's a great way to utilize him, especially if he's going to get like a big win out of that match, if they did something like that, that would be really cool. I don't know that they're going to do that, but if they did, that would be incredible and a great way to introduce a big hoss. Um, the Deanna Tony Storm match should be really great. That'd be one I would mark down to watch. Uh, I think it's, you know, they've worked with each other many, many, many times, so that'll be a good match. Uh, much like the, the Sting and Darby match i think it will be good for what it is and the bucks will try really hard i would assume they're going to do more of the golden lovers style where they're uh kind of working hurt and and selling that more so than just doing a bunch of high fly spots because darby is going to be the actual 
pivotal point of that match of carrying the big spots for the babyface tag team. Um, so that it'll be interesting to see what they come up with in the lab as far as how that match goes and in, in what Ric Flair's involvement is going to be. Uh, trying to think about the rest of it. Uh, it's Swerve has to win against Joe. If you're going to do a singles match, then Swerve needs to win or it has to go to a time limit or, or, or like a DQ or something. But yeah, well, that, it's a good pay-per-view. Like on paper? No, absolutely. Um, question is, Alexander Hammerstone could be that person for the meaty madness match or whatever the fuck they're calling it uh, with Lance Archer, like I said, and obviously um, I think it's Brian Cage and um, no, it's Wardlow and and um, Powerhouse Pops. There's a chance that this fourth match or this fourth person could be Brian Cage. I don't know. But Alexander Hammerstone would be a lot of fun. The debut of Will Ospreay and him and Takeshka should have an awesome match. I'm wondering, do you think anyone else uh, shows up, especially maybe someone who, you know, Bessie that used to write for her in the WWE uh, came over and is now working for Tony, um, you know, someone that has a lot of Monet. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I was I was just about to ask this question because does the big business thing happen before this pay-per-view? I don't know. That's a good question. Because, like, if Okada and Mercedes Monet, in theory, they're bringing in, like, two or three new people for this big business show they're doing. Is that, I don't know if that's before or after this pay-per-view, but does that change it at all, like, if Mercedes Monet shows up? Um, or or Kata shows no, up. Even. Yep, that's another person. Or uh, we haven't talked about it. Thomas Tonga also had his last match at that New Japan pay per view. Uh, there's reports he's going to WWE, but I mean, I haven't seen any confirmation about that. So who knows? That's another person right now that's kind of in the uh, in the wing, seems to be uh, having a contract somewhere else if he's going to leave a company. You know. I love Tama- Tamatanga. He is like Scott Steiner on a live mic. <laughs> so hopefully we get to see some of that. That'd be great. Like I'm, 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 I would think he would go to WWE. And uh, Jacob Fatu got out of his contract as well, right? So yeah. if they're going to rebuild Ooh, the bloodline maybe. after Mania. And not only that, have you seen fucking Umaga's son on the Indies? Apparent, like I've seen a little bit of him, but apparently he's just as graceful as uh, Jacob, and he's way bigger and way younger. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah, that's well, that's scary. Just the way you just put that, scary. That'd be great. Like you get you get like Tamatanga as a mouthpiece, Solo Sokoa, Jacob Fatu. They make their own like bloodline to go against Roman. Roman comes age, back and he's uh, like. New Age Outlaws. <laughs> no, 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 no. What the fuck? What the hell? They're, they're the head shrinkers. The New Age head or the new head shrinker. I don't know. Don't do not do that, actually. That would be a tough. Yeah, Haku comes in with Tamatanga. It's cutting promos. Um, no, no, what I was getting at is like Roman's going to lose this title at Mania. It's kind of been put. That's been a thing for a long time. 
and uh, his bloodline right now is just him, one Uso, and you know, Solo, right? And the Rock coming in, you could do you could do some really interesting things if like the bloodline switches or whatever, and they feud against each other. So you have like Roman's version versus like Tamatanga, and then where does the Rock stand? Uh, kind of in between all of this, and and Paul Heyman trying to deal with with all of these people would be great. I mean, there's so much there's so much good stuff you could do with that. Absolutely, you know, there's going to be a lot of fun stuff uh, within the next couple months, especially on Mania, and we're getting closer and closer to it. So, I guess we should make our shift and start talking about the WWE and uh, go over. I mean. The highlights for Monday Night Raw was two excellent matches on cable, one to start off and one to stop. That also had to do with people from SmackDown, uh, you know, or maybe a certain specific person from SmackDown, Mr. Roman Reigns, sending out Jimmy and Solo to fuck over his two enemies. Uh, his other cousin, Jimmy's brother, Jay Uso, had a match against Gunther. Great match with the IC belt. And then also Cody who had a match against Drew McIntyre. And, you know, usually the interference with the bloodline um, is too much, but I will say that this time I actually did like both situations because with Drew, this puts Drew a leg up. We're going to talk about the Elimination Chamber. He won it. It made sense for him to get the win in this, but there's reasoning of why that happened because literally Cody got screwed right in front of everyone. So I had no problem with that. And also, the fact that this happened to Jay, like, I like, <laughs> usually I'm bitching about stuff like that, and I thought they pulled it off fairly well on Chris, what do you think? No, I agree with you. I think they did they did a good job of what they're trying to get across. I mean, they overcomplicated it, like, the entire title picture, and some of it's not their fault, because I would think that Punk was going to be in this position if uh, he didn't get hurt at Rumble which would have been very interesting TV. But yeah, outside of that, like uh, I think they're, I mean, we're in full swing of mania, man. They, they're really, they've got that shit dialed in. It's going to be good. Well, I'm realizing that most of the stuff outside of that really pertains to the elimination chamber itself. We have Becky who, you know, talked about, you know, her match with Rhea at WrestleMania and then every woman, including a returning Raquel Rodriguez that won her match to be the last person involved in the Elimination Chamber. Let Becky know, hey, you got to get through all of us. But I guess, you know, let's let's kind of, I, I think the same thing lies with SmackDown. Let me make sure what the highlights I have written down. Um, We had a, we had a good match with uh, LA Knight and Drew McIntyre, which... Uh, Drew McIntyre ended up winning. Uh, no, actually, I think that guy's broken up at the end of it. He he lost last night. We'll get to why. So we're going with AJ. Everything is forming out. That's what I like about this in the Elimination Chamber itself. But yeah, I I think it's I think that we should just go over Elimination Chamber. What do you think, Chris? No, I agree with you because I mean this is like very much a transitional setup, like week. Because they're already full gear mania, so this pay per view is kind of an afterthought. And uh, I do actually appreciate that they did it somewhere different 
like a new country and did focus on like making it a thing because in the past it's like oh, it's a limited initiative chamber who cares because you're so close to mania you kind of already know what the storylines are at least they made it interesting this year i really love uh, even though it's kind of annoying to have to you know have the pay-per-view come on at a different time because by the time i got up and was watching this it was probably around eight o'clock pretty much all of it had been revealed uh and if it didn't get revealed it surely got revealed while i was watching the beginning of the damn show i also don't like the peacock you can't go back to the beginning of the fucking thing they have to air it before you do that that's some bullshit oh, yeah. fucking peacock brother Dude, I, I don't normally bitch on, about things on social media, but that, like, adding the pre-show to the normal show and then not tagging anything, like, as far as, like, a, a scroll tag or something that you could do, it's like, your app is such bullshit. This is why you're billions of dollars in debt, Peacock, because your app sucks. Bring back WWE now. Yeah. Like, please. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, if and, you can't do the tab where I can go through all the matches, that's bullshit, too. Like, once it's, you know, not live, that's stupid. Like, I know that you guys want us to see your t-shirts and, and all that shit, but I don't need to watch the pre-show. Like, at least eliminate that or separate it into its own thing. I know some people like to watch the pre-show, but, like, fucking at least, at the very least, separate that to its own thing. Where it's like, this is the kickoff show, and then this is the thing. Like, separate those to two separate videos, and, like, man, I... <laughs> As a developer, it drives me crazy when people don't do video tags on a replay of a live event. Because, like, some people don't want to watch, like, all of the bullshit. Like, if I've watched the product every week leading into this fucking pay-per-view, I don't need to see a 15-minute video package of how the match set up. Especially because you're doing a fucking pre-show. Like, god damn it. So, you know what Fergan and Roberts go back and forth? No, oh, dude, Sam okay. Sam Roberts can suck my dick. Like, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, I'm gonna fuck him up if at all. If you you want to do a cool pre-show, get CM Punk and Big E to do the pre-show. Like, I don't give a fuck oh, about yeah, Sam man. Roberts. Yeah, <laughs> let me see the two of those motherfuckers do the damn pre-show. I will definitely tune in. And I would Butter watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Sam. If fucking Sam, make Sam Roberts stand on the street where no one's walking by for a celebrity update or whatever. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, exactly. I, mean, I mean, I'm not trying to hate on Sam Roberts that hard. I, I mean, I should dial it back a little bit, but like, I that's how much little I give a fuck about their pre-show. Like, if you made it. it interesting, like if you did something cool, like you have Punk and Big E there and Booker, like you said, like wrestlers talking about wrestling, then sure, yeah, I might tune into that. But otherwise, move that from the live replay. Like, put that in its own separate shit. Um, yeah, no kidding. Also, the pre-show, there was one match. It was eight minutes. It was a women's tag match. Yeah, and I mean, that was basically to get Kabuki Wars to get another win on a pay-per-view. And also get Indy Hartwell, who's from Australia, on the card, which is cool. You know, we had Grayson Waller do his little segment thing that we'll talk about with Cody and uh, Seth. And then, obviously, we had uh, Rhea Ripley in the main event. Uh, awesome for them. 
Everyone that was extremely angry that Bronson Reed uh, didn't go to Australia and wasn't a part of the card. The reason why, apparently, you're supposed to be in the Elimination Chamber. He lost that match and was replaced. I forgot who beat him uh, because his wife's about to give birth and she was in the state. So if you listened and you were mad about the fact that Bronson Reed didn't get a lot of love because they were in Australia, there's a reason why. Don't freak out too much, you know. Sometimes I mean, I, I wouldn't freak out in general about this elimination chamber because you kind of already knew what the finish was going to be. So even if he was in there, he's, it's not like he's going to win. <laughs> the fucking thing, it's not going to help him get over anyway. So. Wait, are, are you saying that you thought that obviously it was going to go between Drew and Randy and that probably somehow LA Knight would get fucked over by Adrian Styles? Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> so, like, he, Bronson Reed... <laughs> Bronson Reed would have basically just been the Kevin Owens of this match, which is what it, that's what happened. Like, God damn. I, I'm here. I'm here to take bumps and a pin from somebody, brother. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and that's right, not so, gonna uh, help. If see. you're a, I like. Look, I just want to point out, I do like Bronson Reed. Him being in that match or not doesn't like help him going forward, right? Like, if you if you're trying to make him like the big monster like strong baby face, like there's ways to do that. Him being in the elimination chamber wouldn't have mattered at all. Like that would not help that push. Like instead of having the meat man match, they could have put oil all over him, Otis and Ivar and have them had a three-way match um, in the pre-show. That would have been, that would have been good. I'm glad you said three-way match. Otherwise that would have been really weird. <laughs> Let's pour some oil yeah, on these guys was, and put them in a three-way. Three-way. The Mookie Warriors. Anyways. All right. Um, I, I did. I, well, hold on real quick. I want to talk about Carrie Zane's giant hairpiece in this match. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Like, I know they've been doing, like, weaves and extensions in WWE for a long time, but, like, this thing was, like, terrifyingly large for Carrie. <laughs> I think I even sent you a picture of Deanna Troy from season one of Star Trek Next Gen. I'm like, is it, is it like, imagine wrestling all these years and you get a neck injury from a hairpiece. <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. But the Kabuki Warriors used that energy to win in the pre-show match. We had, for the first start-off match, I thought it was a really fun, entertaining uh, elimination chamber. We had Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair. Liv Morgan, Naomi, Raquel Rodriguez, and Tiffany Stratton. And I have to say, for a good chunk of it, I thought Tiffany Stratton was on fire. And for some fucking reason, even though she's a super heel, and she's definitely not babyface whatsoever, Australia, I think right next to Rhea Ripley, uh, loved Tiffany Stratton. Yeah, they popped for Tiffany, and she looked great. I, I I think I texted you while the match, while I was watching the match, I guess, not as it was happening, because the shit started at 5 a.m., but when I was watching it, I was like, there's, there is a great chemistry between her and Becky, and Becky does a great job of making Tiffany look like a million bucks. Yeah. Uh, and and, and that, that really points out how good Becky is in the ring, honestly, because Tiffany Stratton, when she's worked with anyone else that's not Becky Lynch has not been great. Like, like look at the rumble for like, Um, but yeah, like Becky and Naomi did such good work setting up the beginning of that match. This, this was my match of the night, by the way. Um, great. I, I, I thought it was a great women's elimination chamber. 
And uh, it's mostly on the back of Becky and Bianca. Honestly, Bianca did some crazy selling. There's one thing where she went like face first into the elimination chamber, took a power bomb, and she did like this neck roll into a flip. And the selling was just so great. Like, I was like, man, she's Jade Cargill came in. <laughs> Bianca's like, nah, dude, I'm I'm HBK, brother. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck? <laughs> she's like really stepped up her shit. She's like, I'm not gonna let you take my spot. Basically, and I don't know, she was next level in this match. Bianca was phenomenal in this match. She may have been the best wrestler on the entire card this night. Uh, she was that good. Like, selling movement, everything she was doing was just phenomenal. And Becky was Becky was really, really great as well. Like I said, like, uh, she's the perfect person to put in this position. Winning the match, like, we kind of knew that, that she was going to win. Um, the finish was really fun. Like trying to put, they they did a protection spot of Bianca by getting rolled up, and then you just had Becky get the W. Like it was a a fun way to do that and try to protect someone's storyline wrestling wise. Like I really liked this match a lot. This might be if I was doing like a top five matches so far this year, this would be this would be in the top five. Thought it was a fucking great match. Yeah, a lot of great spots. A lot of these women beat the shit out of each other. You know, I, I thought everyone looked really good. Um, I don't think anyone, you know, looked weak within the match. I even thought Liv Morgan stepped it up and did really well in this match. Um, you know, she's got great facial expressions. I'll give her that. Some of her hits look like crap, but uh, she knows how to present herself to be, I guess, sadistic is what she's going for, even though people like her, especially fanboys that live in there. Anyways, um, yeah, that, just, that's, that's the weird match. thing about Liv Morgan is that she like the fans treat her as a baby face, but she's working as a heel in this match. It's, it's that yeah, was sure. that was a weird, a little weird for me. Also, I am. Um, she is good in the sense of like, if I can wrestle with someone that's good and we can plan out all our spots, I'll have a good match. As soon as something goes like slightly off script, she just falls to pieces. And that happened in this match at one point. Yeah, Naomi looks awesome. I I hope they have something for her at Mania. I think she's had a great year. Um, but yeah, it's going to come down to Becky. She ends up winning. Uh, and she's going to be going against Rhea. Do you think that they shouldn't have had that interaction at the uh, press conference for WrestleMania? I mean, it kind of just... It just... It, it spelled out the fact that Becky was going to win the Elimination Chamber. And they try to cause on... Uh, Raw then to kind of refute that with having the ladies come out and challenge her. Um, but at the same time, did you really think that anyone was going to win outside of Becky? Because I feel like if Bianca's doing something, it's probably against Jade. Um, although, didn't they set something up with, with her and Tiffany Stratton potentially? So there's also that as well within the Elimination Chamber. But is it too on the nose with how they set up uh, Rhea against Becky at WrestleMania. I think in wrestling predictability is not a bad thing because that means who you like is going to win, right? So I, I didn't have a problem with it. As far as like the them doing the press conference beforehand, it's like with Rhea and Becky, they're the two biggest female superstars they have, uh, and maybe even the two big like 
in the top five biggest stars they have in general. So setting up that match for Mania, like Elimination Chamber is kind of an afterthought. If Mania is a big box office hit or whatever, like I don't think they really care about this pay-per-view. I think the the women in this match did a really good job in the way it was booked. It protected, like I said, it kind of protected the finish um, where you get Bianca getting that surprise roll-up or whatever. And they made her look super strong in the match throughout the thing, so it's fine, I guess. But I mean, like Bianca versus Rhea is your mania match. We've known that for a while. They've been building to it for a while, so I mean, it'd be the same thing. They did this with Steve Austin as well. Like this, you know where the path is going, right? Uh, and that's not a bad thing. That just means that your show's good. When yeah, when WWE agreed. gets like. When WWE gets way too in their bag and they're like, let's swerve the fans, that's usually when it sucks. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you go back throughout history. Yeah. They've been doing a lot of thing lately, too. <laughs> For sure. Um, this, I didn't, you know, I forgot this match even existed on this, and I think they went over it um, the night before uh, with SmackDown, but. This was an awesome tag match. The Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest went against uh, the New Catch Republic. Not sure I like the name too much, but now back to his normal fucking name, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. And especially, like, Damian's great. He's a lot taller, but when Finn's in the ring against either one of the guys, they all have that European, UK flavor to them. Um, I thought this match was a lot of fun. I'm wondering what they're going to do. That's why there's part of me that wondered, because I think this is for the Smack, only the SmackDown uh, Tag Championship. So I thought maybe they would win them, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like the tag match, there's a good chance that it's going to be some type of four-way with maybe like Awesome Truth, who has good potential of winning because of their storyline. Uh, I don't know, DIY to be involved, and then maybe uh, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates or some shit for a ladder match for the tag title. But that's just me going about, you know, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but at least we've had some good tag matches and there's more of a flourishing tag team, I would say, in WWE than there has been um, for a while. But it's still not too great, if that makes sense, Chris. I don't know. But I like this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's WWE, so the tag is not. It's always going to be an afterthought, but it is better than the WWE or the AEW tag situation right now. I'm going to yell about that later, but um, yeah, I thought this match was pretty good. There was a couple spots where I think Taylor Bates just was going too fast, uh, and you had a couple botches there. I'm surprised how good Damian Priest was in this match because he's basically working a very different style than he normally does, but it worked. Like... I don't know. It's a fun tag match. They, like I said, that elimination chamber was so good leading into it that 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 maybe hurt it a little bit. Um, but outside of that, yeah, like I thought it was a, a pretty good match. And like you said, uh, like Priest and and uh, Balor, they're a pretty good tag team, man. I want to see them uh, versus the NXT, the NXT crew of Braun Breaker and uh, God. Why can't I think his name? Baron. Like, Braun Breaker and, and Barry Corbin's a great tag team. Let's get, Hell let's yeah, get that they are. match. Let's get that match. 
the yeah. Wolf Bros, the just, Wolf Breakers, or whatever the hell their tag name is. They could be. Yeah. I love that Baron Corbin does not like that. They have been just awesome together, and I love that now. Um, you know, Braun full time on SmackDown, and also the tag champion with Baron, who used to be on SmackDown on NXT, but. Baron Corbin, I think, has helped out a lot of guys there, and I've really liked his work with Braun, both in the ring and as a tag team. And uh, I think they should go as the new age Steiner brothers. There you go. That's that one for Baron Corbin is, like, just underappreciated at this Hell point. Hell yeah, man. In the wrestling fandom side of things, it's not it's not his fault. It's, it's like when we used to talk about Roman Reigns. It's like, it's not his fault that he got pushed down your throats. He's really great. Just wait, it'll come back around. I'm hoping that for Baron Corbin. <laughs> he's proved he's proven it on NXT. He's just, he's great. He's always been great in the ring. And uh, you know, if if he's not just over pushed and just put like we used to call him Kane, basically. Like if you don't just make him Kane <laughs> where he has to be in every main event feud for like no reason at all. Uh he's he's really good. Dude, the Lone Wolf's great, man. It's, it's, it's been great seeing him back in NXT. And I, I really would, as much as I love Braun Breaker and I think he's going to be a huge star, I that tag team is so good. Like, I might just keep those keep those guys as a tag team. They have just like a weird chemistry together. I agree. I completely agree. Um, Just awesome. But we'll see what happens in the future because... I feel like Braun's probably going to be involved in something um, for WrestleMania. I'm not sure yet what, but uh, I believe he's signed officially with SmackDown, so we'll see. Um, I would love the NXT champion to go against the, the SmackDown and Raw champion. That would be fun as fuck. But there's a lot of stuff, and I'm, I'm, that's what I'm excited. We're, we have, what, now a month and a half before Mania? So we're almost there. And there's a lot of stuff that's forming in place, especially with this pay-per-view. You know, the Elimination Chamber next to the Royal Rumble, they have been using it sometimes as a way to go about a number one contender for the World Championship. You know, it's the Royal Rumble to get you in one of the doors. The other one you can go in with Elimination Chamber. So I appreciate that. But we also have a lot of stuff that we don't know what's going to happen. And it's piecing together in front of us. So it's a good time. Really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, WWE's just been outside of the political stuff that's going around it. Like as far as a, a product as a show, they've really been hitting on all their marks. Even with injuries happening, they're still able to give us potentially the biggest mania of all time, which is crazy. God, I'm I'm very excited about this WrestleMania. I haven't been this excited about a WrestleMania. In a long time, honestly. So I hope you are right. Because, I mean, to be to, granted, the last couple WrestleManias have been good. They have been. Uh, but I don't know. There's something special about this one, it feels like. And for the fans that take most a majority of the time bitching or trying to rile up more so about, like, no, I'm a rock guy. I'm a Cody guy. Like, uh, there's, it's, it's okay to like like someone, but I hate the tribalists. I hate the fucking negative comments. I hate the trolls. I hate the whiny ass fans. I hate it when the goddamn fans take over matches, start fucking trying to make it about 
yourself. Like, get a table out and hurt yourself more, guys. Come on. We want a table. We want you to sacrifice yourself and jump in front of a lion. It's the fucking Coliseum. <laughs> I, I I just can't deal with people on in the comment section, brother. Like that's that's the that's really uh like look you, you love the rock I get it it's fine I also used to love the rock I I don't know what this replicant is <laughs> but um it's working <laughs> it's it's <laughs> whatever they're doing is actually working so it doesn't like. Your opinion in the comments section doesn't matter. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. It's WWE, right? So It like, doesn't matter what your opinion is. Yeah. Uh. I mean, it ma- I mean, it does. It, well, yeah. <laughs> it was, to some point, it matters. But it's like, you guys got... You're supposed to be the smart marks out here in the comments section. You guys are getting fucking really worked over about... We already knew what it was going to be. They were not going to take that away from Cody. Like... It's fine. Calm down. They went about it a really weird way. I think they panicked when Punk got hurt because they didn't know what the other match for Rollins was going to be. That's that's actually what happened. Like the the Rock Roman thing. Like I said, the, the, like the that was a, they could have done Cody versus Rock or Roman the first night and then set it up differently. What happened is like to me looking at it is what happened is CM Punk got hurt and they're like, fuck, we got to change shit. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what happened. I do. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because we had an interesting segment next. Uh, Grayson Waller had his Grayson Waller effect. First off, in theory, was hosting his own show, and then it was kind of confusing. They're friends, and they're both kind of douchey. But I will get both of them in two different weeks. Well, last week was Grayson Waller doing press over in Australia, and this week, uh, with Austin Theory, they both had reporters that basically talked about how fake wrestling was, didn't take it seriously, and they both got extremely defensive and told the guys to fuck off. So I want to take time to thank both Austin and Grayson for sticking up for your business and telling some <laughs> douchebag reporter that thought he would make, you know, try to get one over on pro wrestling to fuck off. And Austin even was like, dude, you wouldn't be able to handle my life. Like, you'd be dead within a fucking month. Like, went off on him. I appreciate that. Dude, AJ Styles, please get with Austin Theory. Coach him up, brother, because I, I think that Austin, there's so make much potential. Yeah, yeah, make him your, your dick, Grayson. <laughs> AJ. He's my dick. <laughs> he just refers to him as his dick in conversation. When he gets a little older, he'll be my Natwood. I mean, Natwood. God damn it. My Natwood. I'm not He's a dick. Uh, no, anyway. But yeah, so, so Cody comes out after Seth, and basically Cody challenges The Rock vaguely because we don't have another pay-per-view until Mania. And then Seth says, hey, I'll be in your corner. So this was kind of a bust to me. And then they beat the shit out of Austin Theory, and then they beat the shit out of Grayson Waller. Um, yeah, I mean, because, like, you knew they were going to get it. It's like the Miz. Like, if it's a Miz show, it's like, well, Miz is going to get his ass kicked. <laughs> it's like one of those things. I'm just talking about for the announcement itself. It's like, well, yeah, that's when the fuck are you going to do it? So, like, when are you going to have this match with The Rock? It's like, you know, I don't know. It was just uh, rather strange. 
Yeah, I mean they're right, we'll they're they're still trying to tease that intrigue of what might happen at Mania. I mean, what's going to happen is Cody's going to win the belt and probably have a match against The Rock like after Mania, maybe even the second night. They have two nights of Mania. People keep forgetting about the two night thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Although we don't need two nights with six fucking hours of WWE. Jesus. I'm going to give WWE a pass, though, on that, because, like, every AEW pay-per-view is six hours, and, like, it is not mania, you know? Yeah, <laughs> this, that's a good point. This Elimination Chamber, I think, was, like, what, three hours total, if you take away the pre-show? If you eliminate, if you fast-forward through, like, all of the fucking just packages before the match, it's, like, you know, like a two-hour and 25-minute watch, so... Yeah. Um, anyways, let's get to the next match, the men's elimination chamber. And we got one after that. We can get out of here. Uh, we had the men's elimination chamber with Logan Paul, the U.S. champion, Randy Orton, the Viper, Bobby Lashley, the Almighty, Kevin Owens, the guy that beats the living fuck out of all these other guys, L.A. Knight, uh, and of course Drew McIntyre. This was a lot of fun. I, the men's and the women's match both were great. I will say that. Um, I ha- I think I enjoyed a lot of the aspects of the women's match more so, but the fact that this starts out with Drew McIntyre, who he looks like a hawk. He is a hawk. And Kevin Owens gets the better of him and just takes him outside the fucking ring and just smashing his head against every part, like 20 times looking at the other person in the pod like, this is going to be you. But Drew McIntyre... Uh, awesome. Just beating the living shit out of Logan Paul when he finally came out. And then after that, Logan gets speared through one of the pods from Bobby Lashley. Just another kudos. Because here's the thing Logan Paul doesn't have to do any of this shit. He doesn't. He doesn't have to take those type of bumps. He fucking does. So it's always appreciative. But um, before we go over some of the stuff that happens at the end in the winter, uh, what did you like about this match, Chris? Kevin Owens. That's that's what I like about Kevin. this match. Kevin Kevin Owens, he's fucking great. <laughs> he was so great. The, the modern Roddy Roddy Piper again in this in this uh incarnation. This like him just like staring at Logan Paul while hitting moves on other people was hilarious. And then when Logan Paul's pot open, they had that like argument about the door. Logan Paul's trying to get back in the pot and close the door. It's great. Like uh, Kevin Owens is amazing. I thought Bobby Lashley looked really good um, as well. The big spear spot with Logan Paul. And like you said, this guy didn't have to do this shit. Dude. He's he's like he's got stupid money. He's doing this because he likes wrestling at this point. So that's cool. But uh, this match just like it it did not have the same feel is the women's elimination chamber match like as far as like my emotional connection to it and and, and how much i liked it there was some there was some great wrestling and uh, kevin owens like i said he's just the fucking best he really is he's it's incredible i want one more title run with kevin owens he one more ko mania uh, at some point but uh yeah i think i mean they made the right move with drew mcintyre right they're setting up him versus punk um I think that he would be next up based on Punk getting hurt at Rumble for, for what what they're going for. So, good match. Yeah, great stuff. Um, just to kind of go over it, we had a part where LA Knight is going back and forth 
well, actually getting the, the better of Drew McIntyre in the ring. And I don't know how he got back in. It didn't really make sense, or how he got it. He wasn't in this match. Uh, AJ Styles comes in. You know, the distraction basically that happened from LA Knight, who was at commentary when he had his match with Drew McIntyre, caused him the match. So, in return, AJ causes LA Knight the match. Uh, this build in the Mania, I think this is a good feud, and I think this will. AJ's going to make. LA Knight look like a million fucking bucks. And he has no problem, obviously, losing uh, in that scenario. So I think that we're going to have a good match with that. Also, another thing set up, uh, Randy got fucked over before Drew was able to pin him uh, by Logan Paul because Logan lost and got pinned by Randy. So he grabbed his uh, brass knuckles and nailed Randy in the face. So I don't know if we're doing Logan Paul and, uh, you know, uh, Logan Paul and Randy Orton for the U.S. title, or if it's going to be a three-way with Kevin Owens, not quite sure, but that that was also set up. And then obviously, like I said, Drew McIntyre won. He'll be going against Seth Rollins, and to me, I think that Drew should get that championship. Um, that's who I, I would I would have Drew beat Seth that media, but that's my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I probably I, I probably wouldn't have put Randy in this match if I was booking it just because like he doesn't have a clear path. So doing this does kind of like having that spot in the match kind of makes you think it's going to be Kevin Owens and Randy. Like you're setting up a triple threat match, which is I'm not super excited about unless Randy Orton yeets Kevin Owens onto the announce table and does that thing where he's like, oops. I would be excited about that. Um, but yeah, like, it, it, it's such a weird picture. And we really still haven't set up anything with Gunther, though. Like, honestly, that, that that's the one. Like, why is Gunther not in this match? Well, it, it's because, you know, Okada did sign with WWE, and they're going to introduce that in the next couple weeks. We're going to get Okada against Gunther. Bro, I, I, I wish... <laughs> If they do that, that'd be fucking amazing. Because Gunther versus well, Okada, that'll it'll still the show. That basically AEW is obviously offering him more money, and the fact that he can work with New Japan uh, still afterwards. But WWE were were going to give him the quote was uh, a title shot at WrestleMania. So I would assume that would be the IC Championship because that's the only thing that's not established. Um. And if that's the case, come on, Okada, go to WWE, please. Please. Please, dude. Um, man, it's just for me, like, I've seen Okada wrestle most of the main event people in AEW. With the yeah. exception of, like, MJF, who's hurt. Um, outside, outside of, but, like, in WWE, man, like, you know, you could have Okada versus The Rock. The Rock is on the board now, so this whole thing, like Okada has said multiple times, who what would be your dream match? He's like me versus The Rock. It's like that could, we can make that happen, brother. <laughs> you know, like, I I am not sold on the fact that this is a done deal with AEW. We'll see, I guess, at Big Business because that would be when the announcements made. Uh, but I I I I know everyone else was super like, oh, he's going to AEW. I I saw multiple reports like it's pretty much confirmed. Well, it was pretty much confirmed that Cody was going to re-sign with AEW, and guess what? He didn't. He did. 
So, so. He still has no idea what's going on with MJF. I'll just put it there as well. That's yeah. Like, I mean, if I'm Okada, you know, Tony can give you a lot of money, but he's always talked about wanting to have a mania moment. It's like, that's never going to happen if you're an AW. You're never going to be on that big of a stage. And, and he's uh, so he, good. He can have many mania moments. Yeah. AJ's there. Like, Finn's there. There's a lot of people that he worked with in New Japan. I know they're like, oh, yeah, but the Bucks, you know, that's the, that relation, Kenny, him and Kenny. I was like, as far as I know, like, Okada is not the biggest Kenny Omega fan. I think they have, like, a little bit of heat with each other. <laughs> that doesn't mean they don't get in the ring and do, like, great work. But I know that Kenny has specifically been really pissed off in the past because he he feels like that he is the, the part of that match that makes the match great. Um, especially with the New Japan Magazine articles and stuff. So it's like, when you get into that... Like, when people start reading way into that, it's like, well, he has these past relationships. And I was like, dude, like, Kata was in New Japan when a lot of these WWE guys were in New Japan as well. And you're yeah. not even thinking about the stardom wrestlers that are, you know, like, Okada's worked with everyone, brother. <laughs> Put him over. Well, but that's the thing. When you go to WWE, yeah, you do have some people that you're familiar with. And who wouldn't love to see another AJ match with him or him and Finn? But the, then you have, like, you know, him and Guther, which we talked about. Him and uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, him and Seth Rollins. Uh, like, every – him and Cody, again, in a WWE type of situation with both their auras at the level of, that they are. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's fun thinking about shit like that. It really is. If, if you're Seth Rollins, you're like, dude, open up the bank, Rokata, because you know that Seth wants that match. Oh, yeah. In a world where we have, like, Forbidden Door and, like, Brian Danielson's getting all this love and shit, you know Seth Rollins is like, give me me 20 minutes. (laughs) Give me 20 minutes against Okada, brother. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't don't know if Sammy having anything with Okada. That's another person. Kevin Owens, who's the real prize fighter. There's another premise. You know, I mean, there's so much stuff you can do with him. Him and Drew McIntyre would be great. Uh, I... I mean, I think it's just limitless. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just, just Okada with anyone, really. I mean, because Okada is fucking phenomenal. But there, there's just, a, to me, it's more interesting, I guess, if he wins to WWE. If he goes to AEW, they'll do some kind of storyline with Don Callis. And, like, he'll be wrestling against, like, Jericho. <laughs> so, yeah. Or Will Ospreay. And that's fine, but I've seen Okada and Will Ospreay wrestle a lot. So, it. Like a fun, fresh event, like him versus Seth Rollins. And I have not seen that. I've not seen him wrestle Tyler Black even back in the Ring of Honor days or him versus Kevin Owens or something like that. I, I look more forward to and that kind Randy of thing. Orton. Dude, that would be a great match. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, never going to happen unless he does. That's all I'm going to say. And, you know, like, and, and on the other side, like him versus Christian would be great, right? Or him versus Edge. Like, we haven't seen that. But it, it it's just there's more possibilities with Okada right now. And and WWE just even, like I said, outside of political shit, as far as a show goes, they really, they're really hitting on all cylinders. And he would come in as a big star. And I think they would actually do well uh, for the first time as far as, like, a, a big Japanese star coming over outside of Asuka. Uh, I think I think they would be able to 
to handle that well. And and you might have Paul Heyman freed up after Mania because we don't know what they're going to do with that Bloodline story stuff. So oh god, if Paul Heyman were to introduce Okada, like if the Bloodline's done and he just hitches his wagon to the next big thing, um, he's Okada's like, oh, that would be awesome. That would be yeah. It, it, it would also be such a great Paul Heyman greasy ass moment, right? Like yeah, and now he has gonna complete eventually... baby face, so fucking fake. It's like. Obviously. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, I just don't even know how you would bring – with Okada, I don't even know what you would do with him when she brought him into AEW. That's the thing is there's no clear path. Like, their their top baby faces swerve right now, <laughs> and he's supposed yeah, to be here. So. <laughs> Word needs to have that championship belt for a while. I feel like if Okada would be up for the belt in AEW, he would probably win it. So I don't know if I really want him interfering with the – heavyweight title picture right now but you know because that puts him more in the realm of like christian right so like him and christian would be good i guess if you if you had to bring him in like that's the thing is like what would you do with okada once you got him i'm I'm thinking the same thing with will osprey it's like you guys got will osprey they're they're gonna set up him versus the uh don Callis family or whatever but like how do you you know you're bringing in okada yeah, that 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 should be an important special thing. And if you bring in Okada and he's just feuding with the Blackpool Combat Club, like I'm I'm done. Like <laughs> they'll probably have him interfere with uh, or not interfere, but at the end of the match with Will Ospreay and Takeshka, they all fucking turn on Will Ospreay and beat the shit out of him, and then Okada comes out and saves his old buddy Osprey. I could totally see him doing that. Yeah, um, and then we just have like fucking trios matches for the next year. Like, I, th- that's what I'm saying is like, it, yeah. this is Okada, brother. <laughs> like, you, this is like, this is like if you got gifted Hulk Hogan in your New Japan. You know what I mean? They like, have been gifted some awesome wrestlers that they have completely dropped the ball with. So, wow. yeah. I mean, I would be really into Will Ospreay and Okada tagging together against like FDR, but they're not going to do that. <laughs> So, well, they'll have like a triple championship or something. Okada shows up. He's like a, a, a honorary Briscoe brother. <laughs> he's tagging with Mark. That would um, be cool. I'm down for that. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff they could do. But uh, last match uh, on the card: Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax. 15 minutes. Uh, I actually thought. That Rhea got a good match out of Nia Jax. I was she very tried. <laughs> I was very surprised she was able to get her up because it didn't look like Nia. I mean, it's going to be hard in the position that sets up her her finisher um, to get up, but she was able to lift her and fucking win the match. And I will say, I think the audience was tired uh, because. Rhea got progressively a better pop, and I know that we're in the stadium and a lot of sound goes up, I realize that. But, you know, I feel like Tiffany Stratton was getting a bigger reaction than when Mommy first came out, but she got the crowd into it, uh, and she had the, the ending with her and her family. Baby face as shit. Never interacted with the uh, with her group, the Judgment Day, at all throughout the whole pay-per-view, and they were booed especially fucking Dominic. Um, it's just weird how that's happening. I think that they're going to stick around probably with this group for a little while longer, but Mommy, 
I mean, is she not a baby face, Chris? I know that's Australia, but she, it seems like uh, she likes the attention, basically. Yeah, like, she is definitely, like, she is a baby face at this point. It's it's un it's the it's the stone cold rock thing like you can't you're not gonna hate her right so uh how how they're gonna flip that on the head with her versus Becky at Mania that's gonna be interesting because I would almost like I would say Becky would be better at being the heel in that situation um so that's that's gonna be curious to see what they do for the next month storyline wise booking that match but yeah uh. They, like you said, the crowd was kind of dead, but they had already seen like two really good elimination chamber matches at this point, uh, and this was kind of an afterthought. And also, it's a Nia Jax match, so it's kind of hard to get super hyped. Seriously, yeah, but a uh, good match. Um, definitely was kind of affected by being last on the card, even though there was what five matches total for on the actual event. That's right after Elimination Chamber. They had a lot of stuff going on, plus the Grayson Waller effect. Uh, so, Rhea still, I mean, the place went crazy at the end of it. So, good stuff. Uh, we're setting stuff up for the future. We got her and Becky now. We got EO going against Bailey. I'm sure we're probably going to get um, Jay Cargill going against Bianca Belair. Some other matches, obviously, in the work in the women's division, but a lot of stuff, obviously, in the men's. I don't know if Randy Orton's going to take and go after Logan Paul for, I would assume so because he screwed him over him with brass knuckles. But um, we have obviously the relationship with Kevin Owens. We have the U.S. title. That's happening. L.A. Knight will probably be going against AJ Styles. We now have the definite of Drew McIntyre going against Seth Rollins, Cody against Roman Reigns. And apparently before that, we'll have him going against The Rock. So, um a lot of interesting stuff in the next couple weeks leading up to WrestleMania, Chris. Yeah, ton, tons of interesting stuff for sure. And then, like we talked about earlier, this is easily the most excited I've been about Mania in a while. Uh, outside of when Stone Cold fought, you know, Kevin Owens, I was, I was pretty excited about that just because Stone Cold. Um, but yeah, this is this is gonna be a huge Mania. We've been talking about this for like a like a full year like after I starting at last mania of like, Oh, this next year is going to be, it's going to slap because when Cody lost that bell, when Cody did not win the title from Roman, you're like, man, they got big plans. They got big plans. It sucks that uh punks hurt. Cause I think him versus uh, Seth would be like, give it just a little on top. But uh drew McIntyre kind of picked up the ball and ran with it. And, and what they're going to do with him and Punk afterwards, I think it's also going to be really, really great. The women's division in WWE is, it's just so incredible. Like for what it is, it's the best it's ever been. Um, just so many great athletes there. Uh, with with uh, So once we get past Mania, are you looking forward to Daddy's Girl versus Mommy? <laughs> Tiffany Stratton versus Rhea? That would be that would be fun. Oh man, because Rhea would probably get so goddamn annoyed at her uh, in the promos. Yeah, that, that that would be a that would be interesting for sure. I'm, I mean, we're gonna have it eventually, but I can't wait until we eventually get Bianca and Rhea out of WrestleMania 
probably in a main event situation for a title. Uh, but Jay Cargill against Bianca, I th- I have enough. Bianca's so good as an athlete. I, I heard whoever works this out, and apparently from how Jade has been progressing, I think the two of them could have a really solid short match and kind of give everyone, just like in the Royal Rumble, that Hulk Hogan warrior, like two badasses in the ring going at it type concept. And it doesn't have to be too amazing or, or overpacked, you know. So I, there's a lot of fun but from this, I think. Do you, do you want Jade to run through the roster first, like give her a bunch of squashes? If they can, they definitely can. Um, or or, or do you think, like, because I kind of think it doesn't matter. I think that she could just go right into a title match and no one would blink an eye with it being WWE, especially because, like, of Jade's run in AEW. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's a question for you. So we have the last match on Sunday, which, God, please don't be too long. I want to actually be able to watch this live. But the last match on the second night of WrestleMania, obviously Cody and Roman Reigns. And at the end of it, just as always, the bloodline gets involved. And just like they have already aligned him, you know, Seth comes out, takes out Jimmy. Sandy comes out, takes out Solo. And then The Rock comes out, and everyone's laid out except for The Rock. He's about to help out his cousin. And then the glass breaks. And so Stone Cold Steve Austin walks out and gives gives The Rock a Stone Cold Stunner, flips him off, gives uh, Roman. Actually, no. Roman doesn't get a Stone Cold Stunner. Just The Rock. Takes him out of the picture. He's specifically The Rock. Cody needs to beat Roman. I don't want any extra bullshit. He just takes out The Rock. You could even do a thing where Rock's kind of wobbly and do the exact same timing that he got the stunner when uh, he lost the belt to uh, Mick Foley when Stone Cold came out. Do the same thing for a little bit longer of a ramp. But, yeah, Austin comes out, takes out the Rock, flips him off, and then that's it. You don't even see Austin again, you know, unless he wants to come back. But I think that would be a one hell of an ending. But you can't touch Roman. Roman's got to get – he's actually beaten by Cody. No bullshit. I mean, you could do something really, really fun. Like Austin comes out to make a save with the, against the Rock, and they they fight off or whatever, and the rest of the bloodlines like showing up and swarming, and then you get like all of the people they have screwed over. So Kevin Owens and Sammy and Jay come out, you know, Stop fight off. With them, reason. <laughs> it, this is gonna be it's gonna know. be so fun. Roman's not walking out with this title. It's just not. If he does, I would be, I would be, that would be the biggest swerve WWE's done in a long time. And, and, like I told you, and then at the end of it, The Rock, he's pissed off at his cousin for losing. He's disgusted by him. And the elders come out, including Roman's father, Alpha, and they come out and they completely just point. And Jacob Thought too comes out and all the rest of the, you know, the people, Jimmy turns on Roman and they'll beat the shit out of him. He's done. Well, for a couple months. There's, there's that option as well. The follow-up on Monday Night Raw is Paul Heyman's talking to Okada on the phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Okada, is that how you pronounce your name? <laughs> there's a lot of stuff happening with this bloodline. <laughs> you seen this? You heard about this? <laughs> you heard about this. I'm done with it. Uh, but that's, that's the show, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we talked a lot about wrestling stuff. We got a lot of stuff coming up. Revolution, obviously. WrestleMania. 
So definitely uh, stay tuned for some more episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Chris, say any last comments and say goodbye to all the lovely people out there. Goodbye, all the lovely people out there. If you want to hit me on X, it's at Chris R. Patton. Instagram and Facebook is Christopher.R.Patton. And uh, yeah, I was on a episode, a watch along of Robocop with Tom Clark. So check out, check out Tom Clark's 6M uh, podcast. It was a real fun time and uh, look forward to talking to you guys about wrestling after, uh, after I guess the next show would be this uh, incoming AEW paper. Absolutely. We'll get back to you guys of our results or reactions, if you will, uh, our opinions on that pay-per-view coming up. Things last pay-per-view. Do not fuck it up. Please, for God's sake, say W. <sighs> I mean, even though he collapsed, at least, you know, his last technical singles match was against Seth Rollins and the rest of it, besides him collapsing at the end of it, was really good. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, Sting did a crossbody to the outside. I think that's when he decided, oh, yeah, I want to do aerial maneuvers again. Jesus yeah, Christ. I, yeah, like he's like, I'm going to high fly like I did against Rick Rude <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, one of those was not the best fall for Rick Rude, but that was because of the stage. Anyways, um, yeah, you can get me at DaneAls42 on Twitter. Or Dane Alves on Instagram and Facebook. Message me. Let's talk about some wrestling. Um, look us up on any downloadable platform or on iTunes, Stitcher, um, you know, Spotify, anywhere. Wrestling Geek Alliance. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. And thank you guys so much. Y'all have a wonderful evening. No matter where you are, let the Wrestling Geek Alliance be with you. And as always, peace out.